Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, the game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. Bronson Allman and I are back with another episode of the NLN Sportscast. I am Frank Conti, and we are excited to get back to it. A traditional episode tonight. Our last time we were with you, it was our our Facebook Live of the NFL Draft, which was tons of fun. Great feedback from everybody. Like lots of participation in the comments. What a blast Bronson and I had. And you know, we do need to get back to the traditional podcast, though. And it's nice to be back with you, Bronson. We'll take the time to kind of recap the draft. We we stayed with you till the uh, for the first round. I made it through the Steelers pick, and Bronson kept you guys all entertained up to the end of the first round. And we'll just kind of grade, you know, some of the teams we thought did well. Talk about the Steelers picks. Uh, talk about you know the second through seventh rounds a little bit that we that we didn't cover live. Um, also in tonight's episode, big hockey focus. We, you know, we do apologize to our listeners. We didn't get to do our hockey preview episode that we often do. Um, but we're not too far behind. We'll catch you up most series in the first round or in game four or five. Uh, I think all they're all by, uh, in game five by now. So Bronson will do his uh, skate around the league where he goes uh, series by series and catch you. Catch, he'll catch you up on uh, what happened each game and where the series lie. A lot of them are tight. There's been only kind of one blowout so far uh one's at three one and everybody else is at two two so it's really tight playoffs it's been great to watch um and then we'll get you we'll take you a little bit of a you know grab bag and our final thoughts bronson and i will uh you know update you on a few of the, the the other sports going on right now just quick hitters with uh with a couple of those each and it'll be a fun full episode bronson uh good to be back with you it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a a regular episode. Um, yeah. You know, I saw you at the draft, but uh, what else, what else is new? Anything <laughs> going on? Yeah, no, uh, just uh, taking in this hockey. And uh, I have to actually think a bit of the blame for last week. Uh, I was in the weather a little bit guys. So uh, we were not able to record an episode. I was completely up against it. Non COVID related. Um, mm-hmm. All I can say is weather in Western Pennsylvania. I mean, just it's 30 degrees one day. It's oh, 73. It's crazy. Next. I know. Rainy. It's a lot for my allergies, but uh I'm souped up with some Claritin. We'll we'll get through tonight. And uh, no, um, honestly, Frank, just been the playoffs right around the time that the draft ended. We got the NHL playoffs started, so we're gonna get into that tonight, obviously for sure. Um, and I'm looking at the stats here. They had most playoff points by defenseman since the 2010-11 season. Tanman 95-68 Carlson and Crystal Tang at 67. So I'm just like wow. enamored by that. You know, I have that on too. Yeah, that same yeah. stat. Yeah, those are you know guys guys that are in the playoffs almost every year, though. Latang was out for the uh, the seventeen run, uh, but uh, um, no, Frank. But no, just watching hockey and uh, taking that in. Um, it's uh, we were hitting we're hitting the stride now. We're hitting May, so uh, you know I, I hate this is the part where um, I actually missed the draft because I actually missed uh, some dirt racing this past weekend or because of the draft or the weekend of the draft. Um, so May is usually a month I hit that really hard. Um, I'll probably be at Mid Ohio this Sunday for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Series in Mid Ohio. Um, so a lot of the, you know, outdoor stuff, Frank, weather's getting nice and, uh, we'll be out and about birthdays, graduation parties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and taking in the playoffs, uh, right, right now, so, you know, we'll get into that in just a bit, but, uh, no, I mean, just, uh, I haven't talked to you since you, you logged off, uh, yeah. since you, lo- you logged off when the, I've the been, infamous, 
I, I know the uh, the infamous Kenny Pickett. Uh, that was Kenny. it. That put everyone off. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was okay that we couldn't go last week because I was really busy too. I've been been busy at work and and, and uh, like you said, weather being nice now, so getting outside and doing things, cut, cutting some yards. Um, so yeah, I couldn't really get on last week anyway. So it's good timing this week to get a show yeah. in. We'll get we it. Got, in. We got a lot more juice in this show for sure. Um, Last week probably just wouldn't have had probably too much except previewing the Penguins. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot to talk about on that, and we'll get to that later. But no, Frank, uh, no. Um, uh, before, and uh, I guess we'll kind of just jump into it right now. Um, um, well, not really right now, but uh, kind of um, after we you went off, we we, we uh, closed out the NHL draft. The NHL draft. That's in July. <laughs> the NFL draft. Um, I stayed on, entertained some people. Uh, Brandon Halowitz, Shane from a couple of those guys stayed and all those guys kind of stayed on and we talked about the draft. Um, it was kind of more of the Kenny Pickett fallout. Um, a lot of outrage. I know from was outraged. Uh, Brandon actually was really excited. It was actually his birthday. So he got the birthday present of Kenny Pickett to the Steelers, which he wanted. Um, but no, it's kind of, kind of the, the fallout of, of, uh, the pit man, Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. Um, I actually bought the, uh, um, uh, the paper, the Post Gazette, in which he took the full page. I had to thank uh, the Pit fans and, and everyone there to, uh, and he you know, said he's you know he's a Pit man, but now he's he's a Pittsburgh guy now since he's a Steeler. Um, bought all that and uh, looking for Kenny Pickett rookie cards, autographs, all the memorabilia, kind of building up the collection yeah, right true. now. So uh, not just doing that, Frank, but uh, kind of go to you. Um, since we uh, recorded, we obviously didn't cover rounds two through seven. Um. I know the Kenny Pickett uh, pick has been kind of uh, scrutinized even more, but the fact that there was not a quarterback taken in the second round, Frank, um, we didn't see one until the third round when uh, Desmond Ritter went to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and, and a lot of people thought that, that Malik Willis would go before uh, Desmond Ritter, but uh, the Falcons obviously know what they like, what they saw from Desmond Ritter, the, the, the product from Cincinnati. Um, coached by Luke Fickle, they beat Notre Dame. Probably their big marquee win was beating Notre Dame. Um, Desmond Ritter goes to the Falcons. He'll probably sit behind Marcus Mariota, but maybe he'll get a chance to compete for the starting job there, Frank. Um, uh, I think the value was too good to pass up for Malik Willis to go to the Tennessee Titans. You can see, I don't know if you watched that night, Frank, but, uh, when that pick was made, uh, Mike Vrabel was very excited about that. Uh, they were, you know, high five and then handshakes and smiles all around. So I think for the value there, they got Malik Willis. Um, you know, and, and, and they, I think right, they know right away he's not going to go in there and play right away unless injury dictates. You know, they got Tannehill there for at least a year or two, I think. Enough time to groom him. I know Matt Williamson, the ESPN expert, formerly worked for ESPN, um, uh, former NFL and college scout, said that he said, quote, Malik Willis was a year away from being a year away. So he'd probably say about, about two years away. So that works for Tennessee. They're going to have that seamless, easy transition from Ryan Tannehill and the Malik Willis. And then we have Matt Corral, who went to the Carolina Panthers. A lot of people thought that's where Pickett was going to end up going. But uh, Matt Corral, uh, not Carolina, yeah, the Carolina Panthers of Ole Miss. Um, I was getting him mixed up with uh, the guy who eventually ended up going in the fifth round. And that was Sam Howell, who went to the Washington Commanders. So um, those are kind of your quarterbacks. One frankly, like I said, no quarterback in the second, not till really the mid-third. So those Kenny Pickett critics, I guess, had more ammo and their more bullets in their gun to, to, to pull the trigger that maybe the Steelers should have chilled another round and took Pickett. Although a couple draft insiders did say that uh, uh, he would not have been there in the late second for the Steelers to make that pick. So 
um, you know, if they want their guy, go get their guy. And then obviously Colbert and Tomlin and everyone has the, the, the belief in Kenny Pickett. And then they took the kid from what the, the, the Dakota, I forget his, his name is Casey Obawanu or, or Okawanu or is that the quarterback, um, you know, probably a camp arm or a fourth guy. Uh, they were afraid he would probably sign somewhere else. So they snagged him out in the seventh round. Um, uh, Steeler, another Steeler pick. Frank, and I'm kind of throwing this around. I'm going to throw it to you in a second to get your reaction. But uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a draft pick that I probably should have saw coming but was shocked it did happen was they did draft Connor Hayward, the uh, the tight end, fullback, halfback extraordinaire from Michigan State. Uh, we shouldn't have been surprised, but I did get a bit hearty chuckle when I, I was around to hear the, the, the announce of the pick. I was hearty chuckle there. I was like, oh, of course they would take Cam's younger brother. But um, no, Frank, your reaction to the quarterback, uh, the quarterback's going off. And I know in a second we'll probably say who we liked and didn't like uh, team-wise drafting. But uh, just wanted to get your reaction of what happened during uh, the draft after the after the picket uh, saga concluded. A nice synopsis there, Bronson. That brought, kind of brings everybody uh... – on, on board here and uh yeah i did I, you know i caught the the most part of the you know the friday saturday co- uh, coverage just you know you kind of just watch the ticker at those at this point in later rounds they're they're not breaking down every player you kind of see it on the ticker and uh i was trying to tune in when the steelers picked um you see that they're four or five away you kind of stay on board uh before you leave the room or whatever and uh no i thought it was an interesting <laughs> draft i thought a lot of teams really helped themselves um, I thought the Steelers had a really good draft and a lot of pundits are saying that um, the Kenny Pickett uh, selection is very polarizing. A lot of people think, you know, the too high to take them. Uh, Steelers need more help than quarterback. You know, he's not a first round talent, um, small hands, this and that. Um, but it was Colbert and Tomlin. You know, I said this was a Colbert pick, but you could see the look on the joy in Tomlin's voice and you could hear it when he made the phone call the videos you know surface now of him calling kenny pickett and you know colbert said months ago that if he's available at 20 we'll take him there is a rumor that they almost traded up to 14 likely to take him uh but uh that didn't 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 go through but they were you know fortunate enough that he stuck around they were probably sweating it a little bit um with with new orleans right before them uh don't know who the plan B would have been if if Pickett was gone. Um, you know, maybe the corner that uh, Kansas City took right after us, uh, Trent McDuffie from Washington. Maybe they would have went with, uh, you know, Devin Lloyd, the the linebacker, uh, the other Georgia um, tackle, Devontae Wyatt. Um, who knows? But Kenny Pickett was there. They take the local guy, the kind of the adopted Pittsburgher from New Jersey um, to be the franchise quarterback, you know, the future, hopefully a guy that has, you know, the reason Bronson and I were so excited, we're big Pitt fans and, you know, we've, we've watched him play pretty much every, every start. And he had 59 of them in his college career, which is, you know, which is, you know, 42 and 17, I think was, you know, really good record. Uh, you know, Pickett was uh, just a, a ton of starts, ton of, ton of experience, um, and he's just a guy that has that the, the, the intangibles um, that that you don't see in the hand size and in the statistics. Um, he has that you know that work ethic, that uh, that that um, hard nosed mentality. Um, he's he, he's a winner. He's gritty. Um, he knows the city. He's going to be comfortable here. Um, he kind of has that flair, that moxie. Um, and I hope all that stuff adds up into him being able to, you know, kind of make up for the maybe he doesn't have all the arm talent in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, escapability, ability, uh, you know, like a young Ben 
ability to spin move out of a tackle, extend plays, pick up first down with his legs. Um, you saw everybody saw the fake slide, the athleticism, the just the the smarts that he has. I think he can read defenses. He hits the open man. So I think Pickett can fit in well here. I you know I think they're going to surround him with weapons, a run game, a defense um, that he's not going to have to do at all early on, which will take some of the pressure off. So I like to pick. Obviously, if you go back and check us out on YouTube, Bronson has it uploaded now on our YouTube page um, around the hour fifty five mark. I think it was. Um, check out our our Kenny Pickett uh, draft draft pick uh, reaction. It's pretty great. Bronson and I are you know just kind of shell shocked, kind of floored by it. We didn't expect it, um, but no, that was exciting. Bronson, other than the Steelers, um, while I was watching that first round with you while we were live, I, I what caught my eye is finally how good the Jets did. Um, years and years of you know the terrible picks where the, they show the people in the crowd like crying in their beers and heads, you know, heads in their hands. And um, this year they have three first round picks and they kind of really put them to, to good use. Um, they take the, you know, one of the top cor- corners, sauce Gardner. Um, I hear he has a lot of touchdown in like two years, one-on-one. Um, they, they put that crazy stat out playing in, in college at Cincinnati. Um, and then they picked 10th right away again and get arguably the top receiver, Garrett Wilson, the speedster from uh, Ohio State. Um, and scrolling down, they had the 26th overall. They get Jermaine Johnson, who I think you liked. Um, yeah. The 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 D-end yeah. edge rusher from Florida State, who a lot of, you know, Kuyper and McShay had him higher than 26. So they kind of get a steal. Three first round picks uh, that are, I think, all going to make an impact. Um, that's how you rebuild when you're bad. I mean, you, you you compile picks and and try to try to build it up again. Um, the Giants uh, they had two in the in the top ten as well. Um, and you know, NFL football say what you want about skill players, but a lot you know a lot of people think, and including me, that it's one in the trenches. And they get uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Some some had him number one. Slides to five. Uh, to yeah. the Giants, and then they get two picks later. Evan Neal, um, maybe the top offensive lineman in the draft from Alabama. So you're building your offensive line, your defensive line. If you are the Giants and and, and new head coach Brian Dayball, a great place to start. So I really liked what they did. Um, I I'm thought about to cut you off, Frank. Uh, go ahead. You you mentioned that those are the two teams I was going to say who came out winners of the draft with the Jets and the and the Giants. Um, I'm going to go on a limb. I don't think it's a limb, but um. I think the Lions were tickled to death that uh, Aiden Hutchinson was available to them at two. I think they wanted him all, all along and were just happy that Jacksonville passed on him. And I know they're going to get the feast or famine kind of reaction for the trading up in the first round to get uh, Jameson Williams from Alabama. But if Jameson Williams had torn his, his AC on the, in the title game, he's a top five prospect, if not a top three prospect. So for them to get the, the, like that trade up Jameson Williams, um, I think that's a great win by the Lions. He basically got two top five picks, you know, consensus. I mean, obviously the ACL, they has to let that heal, and, and I'm sure they'll take their time and make sure that he's 100% healthy before he sees the field. But, um, but yeah, I really like what the Lions did there with those two picks. I mean, you solidify the pass rush, and uh, you give, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be Goff again, so you're going to give Goff another target. And, of course, um, you know, the kid from USC still there, uh, Ross Brown or all his, you know, Acronym, the last names, St. Brown, or St. Brown, whatever, uh, from USC. So 
give Goff another weapon there, Frank, if when Williams is healthy. And the thing is, too, the Lions are, you know, they're probably expecting to not do so great this upcoming season, too, Frank. So they're, they're probably going to let Williams heal up. They're not going to hurry him on the field. Uh, they'll let him heal up and be back to 100, get it to 100%. But, no, I thought that was great. And I, I'll throw it back to you, but I just, like, you're kind of on the same uh, brain brain path there of who we thought won the draft. Especially, I would definitely say the Jets. The Jets came away huge. They got Robert Saleh back as the coach. I mean, don't. I mean, obviously, New England's going to have their say as well. Buffalo and Miami's going to hope that some of their improvements will put them back in the in the in the swing of things. But um, I'll tell you what, get, uh, Zach Wilson going to have another a year. He's going to have a year of maturity. He's going to, you know, he's got he got the you know the toy to play with in Garrett Wilson from uh, Ohio State. He's got the the lineman, and he's got now he's got the, you know the D line or the, the D lineman too. So there you go. I agree with you there. Because you obviously I said I, I just wanted to put it. Uh, the I really thought the Lions did well as well. Yeah, me too. I mean, that, that's a team that needs some help. Uh, you know, it's a team you kind of root for. It's been so long since they've been relevant. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like that as well. Their, their picks. Um, they had you know multiple picks in the first round. That's how you rebuild it. Um, I was about to say Kansas City too. Um, yeah, a team that we we don't want to see get better as Steeler fans. Um, but you know Mahomes is, Mahomes is going to be hungry to get back there and and say that he's the class of the AFC. Uh, they do pick right after the Steelers and take Trent McDuffie, uh, one of the top corners, um, and then they get a steal at thirty. And I I I've seen film on this guy and I heard what everybody's saying about him. George Carlaftis, um, the edge rusher for Purdue. Uh, falls to 30 and the Chiefs get him. So, you know, we know about their offense, and yes, they did lose Tyreek Hill, but uh, they really improved their defense uh, at corner. You know, two picks in the first round, get a, a, a top corner and a uh, an edge rusher. They're going to be impact players, you know, at that rookie salary, so it doesn't cost them much. Um, the Chiefs got instantly better. Um, I don't want to say it, but Baltimore had a, had a good first round with two picks. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, you know, we were, me and you, when we were watching, we we're talking about Kyle Hamilton, just, you know, one of the top, you know, big safeties, hard hitter, uh, the Notre Dame kid. And then they later on, they get Tyler Linderbaum, who I was, you know, I was touting. You were big on Tyler Linderbaum, yeah. Yeah, I was touting him, maybe the Steelers, the top, maybe the top center in the draft. He was the first center picked. So, um, no, I think it's, you know, it's fair to say a lot of teams got A's or B's. Um, everybody liked Houston's draft. Yeah, they got uh, Stingley. Yeah, early on Stangley, John Mechie, um, who I know was injured, I believe, for Alabama, but uh, a, a good pick there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was fun, Bronson. You said that the, late, later on in the rounds, um, I was shocked Carson Strong didn't go. I was talking about him. He was yeah. like, he was a top 10 quarterback, um, didn't even go in the draft at all. I'm not sure where he signed after. I'm sure he's, he, you know, he signed somewhere. Oh, um, that. Yeah, what did you think about the other quarterback? That's kind of what I want to get your feedback. Yeah, the quarterback's know. going so low. You brought it up. I mean, after Pickett, all the way to like 79th, Desmond Ritter. Um, and, uh, you know, shocked it was it was not Malik Willis second. Um, Desmond Ritter, too, in interviews, he seems determined. He says he's going to bring a Super Bowl to Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, sit behind. Gotta like that. Sit behind Mariota a year or two. Um, similar styles um, can learn from from him and uh, – you know, maybe they'll put together a package, get them, get them a taste. But um, they, they got him a good weapon in Drake London. Yeah, they got Drake London. You know, Kyle Pitts is there. So yeah, uh, all fantastic. And maybe Frank, think, to cut yeah, you off, ahead. Carson Strong signed with the Eagles as an undrafted okay. free agent. 
All right. Carson Wentz didn't work out. Maybe they'll go Carson Strong. Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally don't think that they're completely sold on Jalen Hurts. No. So maybe no, this not. kid has a good camp and he's in the thick of things and well, who knows? He's got so, the best arm in the draft, they said. So could could he could he be the next Tony Romo? Right. You know? Best arm in the draft. Um, we'll see what happens there. But no, the storyline of the quarterbacks going so late. Yeah, Ritter second, second to pick it all the way. You know, it's two, only two quarterbacks on like the top eighty. It was crazy. And then I thought Malik Willis to Tennessee sounded great. I thought they might opt to take him earlier than that. Um, even in the first round, um, or early in that second round, Tennessee uh, pick thirty fifth. Um, I thought they might look at him there, but he falls and falls. And I don't know what it was late about Malik Willis. Um, I heard some rumblings of like why his draft stock fell late. Um, I think it was just his senior year. Um, last four or five games, the TD to interception yeah. uh, was kind of 50-50. Um, that, lost some games. That was one. That was one thing, Frank. I know. Obviously, you know, Mark Madden made the joke, Liberty, Liberty, you know, make the joke and play at Liberty. <laughs> I do know that Rappaport uh, during that, because I was watching when, in the third round, I know Rappaport said the big thing that a lot of scouts and coaches are worried about him is his ability to uh, retain knowledge of the playbooks of the NFL kind of style of offensive okay. playbooks. So that he he believes that's the reason why he fell as well. So I do um, think he got one of the highest wonder licks, though. He is- did. He actually scored higher than Pickett. Yeah, that's that thing of that judges your smarts and ability to get yeah. playbooks and defense. Marina had like one of the like, like statistically low scores, which is funny. Yeah, so it doesn't always <laughs> pan out. But um, I thought if, you I, know, if I have one bag of donuts and I give you two bag of donuts, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, then after that, it was uh, you know it was Willis to the Titans at uh, at eighty six, and then you saw Matt Corral, you know. It's crazy. Macarell falls to ninety four to Carolina. You know, people had him going six to Carolina like a yeah. month ago in some mock drafts. So he go, he does end up going to Carolina, but all the way in the late third. Um, that's a place where he can thrive, and you know he's going to turn in his powder blues from Ole Miss for the powder blue of the Carolina. Uh, almost said Hurricanes watching this hockey. Uh, Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Um, so and and Corral could be the guy there in a year or two, um, even this year if if Sam Darnold, um, you know, continues to not look, uh, to, you know, like his old like his um, his number three overall pick uh, yeah. stature. Um, then you had Sam Howe, which I think you mentioned in the opener. Um, yeah, go, go to the Commanders. I like Sam Howe. He was always a pit killer. I hate playing North Carolina. Sam Howe's you know a tough kid, a lot like Pickett. Um, you know, not the you know, the strongest arm can scramble, um, can you know can throw on the run. Um, I think you know Wentz is not may, might not be long term there with the Commanders, so he'll have <coughs> a shot soon, maybe. Um, scrolling through, trying to find any picks in the third, fourth, fifth round that caught my eye. Um, I know the top punter was picked by Penn State. There's a fourth round punter, Stout. Uh, by the by, the Ravens. So that they they actually had a stat. Sam Cook, um, not the R and B singer. A change gonna come. Um, <laughs> but Sam Cook, the the Ravens punter, will be you know released now, and the, uh, that he was the longest tenured Raven. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, you know they're gonna go with a rookie punter. I'll, I'll buy you some time. Look at some of the picks, Frank. By talking about uh, the picks the Steers did make. Second round, they took George Pickens. 
the wide receiver from Georgia, you know, fresh off that national championship. I believe he's coming off some injuries, off an injury too. Um, and I know that the talk has been maybe his stock fell a little bit due to uh, attitude and behavior. Um, I know there have been jokes. He's already making like TikTok videos. So we're already oh, getting no. started on that. Um, he did him. play in the national title game. So he was healthy at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. There, so. He had an injury maybe prior to the year or something. Yeah. Like I know there was a talk about an injury there. It was it was an ACL, I think, but he's like back from it. I, I don't know if he's lost a step. Yeah. But. So Pickett's there. So so they, they get a weapon for Pickett or Trubisky, whoever's going to play to start the season. There they get him. They get um what they get the um the edge the they get an edge rusher, didn't they? Yeah, Demarvin Leal, um, a linebacker edge yeah, rusher from A and M, a guy that they said would have been first round if he didn't have an injury. I think he missed all of twenty twenty one. Um, or most of it, and he might have been a first rounder without the injury, and uh, so trying to you know kind of cash in on a guy that might have first round talent, but and then and then they took a and then they took a guy that I knew instantly was probably a Tomlin pick. It's, it's this definitely seemed like a Tomlin pick. I joke with you. I called him Drew Archer part two, and that was Calvin Austin the third from from Memphis. What was it? Four three six, four three seven at the combine. Frankie kids got speed. Yeah. Um. If 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 the uh, the prophecy is true and that Kenny Pickett can't throw a ball more than twenty yards, this guy's got speed. Maybe that that short yak yards. Reach. Yeah. Yak yards. You know. And, and Pickett even said when he got drafted, he he thinks he's a good fit here because he fits good in the Matt Canada offense. Remember, Matt Canada was on the recruited him to pit. So. I'm sure you know Canada will, will, will uh, look to pick its strengths, and I think a guy getting a, him a guy like Calvin Austin the third is going to be a huge grab. Uh, for them uh, there. What stunned me, Bronson, is George Pickens, um, second round, fifty-two overall on the board still with Sky Moore. Um, yeah, the, the local product and, and and good friend of Mike Tomlin's son. Um, I thought for sure I was putting money on the Steelers taking Sky Moore if he was available. He was, and he went two picks later to the Chiefs, which uh, scares me because Mahomes, <laughs> Mahomes has another toy. You know, without you know Tyreek Hill, this guy Moore can maybe you know, obviously he's not going to be Tyreek Hill, but he's going to step in and be that speed guy um, yeah. for for the Chiefs. But I like the Pickens uh, selection because uh, it's funny the Steelers went Pickett Pickens. Um, with the their, pick their, of the litter. Yeah, what the first two picks. Everybody loves and says the Steelers got a steal with George Pickens. Um, he's going to be, right. you know, the Steelers, I said it a couple weeks ago, we are so thin at wide out. And boy, they addressed it. Uh, you know, since we have since we t- last talked, they signed Miles Boykin, which isn't, you know, he's a decent player. I think he'll see the field. Um, and then they draft these two, Pickens and Austin, um, so to go yeah. along with Deontay and Claypool. Deontay Johnson's contract situation not great. He wants that, you know, he wants an extension. Um, is he going to? But maybe he'll play. You know, maybe he'll he'll have a great year because it's kind of a year to cash in. So, um, and then of course Fryermuth is there too. So I think the Steelers are okay in the passing game. And a great transition, as you mentioned, Pat Fryermuth, as uh, the Steelers I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to reiterate now. Steelers take then take one in the sixth round. They take Connor Hayward, Cam's brother, the uh, the H back special yeah. team guy from. From Michigan State, which 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 puts the Haywards together, but now this may go on the Watts turf because this may make Derek Watt expendable. Uh, they both kind of <laughs> kind of the same kind of Swiss Army knife kind of players. There, yeah, Frank, brotherly so. love. All these brothers. The Steelers have four sets of brothers, which is a, a crazy stat. Yeah, I didn't know about the Davis brothers. I didn't hear, but the but the uh, yeah the Davis Edmund, Edmonds Hayward uh, and Watt. Uh, 
it's insane. That's eight, you know, eight of their fifty-three guys are are brothers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like those hybrid guys that you know Tomlin loves position flexibility. Um, that, you know, in run in run packages, um, throw Hayward in, let him be a bowling ball. Um, obviously play some special teams. Um, heavy, you know, those heavy sets as a third tight end, maybe be able to decoy as a blocker, maybe run out there and and catch a pass goal line situations, um, you know, hard for teams to uh, predict what's coming. So uh, maybe we'll see some I formation again, um, which, which you never see anymore. It's like a, the, the way of the dodo bird um, <laughs> throw, throw the big uglies up front, dot the I and have somebody right, you know, in front of Najee uh, as, as a lead blocker, they they paid their squad all this money and never use them. Maybe they'll use Hayward in that fashion. It's it's gone it's gone the way of the wishbone and the wing tee. Yeah, in, in the wildcat, it's gone it's gone off the path. My dad, God bless him, and he's not you know he's not stupid. Um, you know he the days of Rocky and Franco in the seventies. My dad always says it like, why can't we put two guys back there? The Steelers used to put Rocky and Franco. Um, you know, back when we had um, Parker and Bettis, you know, he was always hard. Yeah. Put them both in at the same time. Who's oh, going to yeah. get it? You know, I, I would love to see Watt and Harris, Hayward and Harris, two guys in there. I thought, which leads me to another point. I thought the Steelers would draft a running back and they didn't um, because not a big need for them right now. For sure. Najee can't keep uh, all these uh, he, too many touches. He's going to wear down. Um, I would have really loved to get a stud running back. Um I think they may have signed one in free agency. We'll see. I think from Duke. Yeah, a couple, yeah. I think they got a kid from Duke that yeah. uh, people like that didn't get drafted. I don't know what his why his draft stock fell, but I I would like you know you see a lot of these teams. It's a two headed monster, uh, to quote Bob Barry. Um, it's a two headed monster um, with running back and on, on a lot of teams you got to have two good ones. And uh, I, I'm waiting for the Steelers to get that next guy. They thought it was going to be Anthony McFarland Jr. And he's not, you know, you know, or Benny Snell. But those guys yeah. aren't aren't having the careers the Steelers thought. Um, but I think with this new with with Canada being unleashed, I think wide receivers are kind of going to kind of be your backup running back in like a Debo Samuel style with a lot of you know jet sweeps and end arounds and. You know, w- weird formations with receivers, maybe getting handoffs, things like that. So yeah. we'll see. But uh, I like the Steelers draft. I think they picked a good uh, variety of players. I I thought that they were going to get more offensive linemen than they did, but they kind of addressed that in free agency. Yeah. Um. With with some younger free agents, so they didn't really need to load up. But shocked that they didn't take any. Um. Zero offensive linemen is kind of a shock. Um. They did get a linebacker. Um. Mark Robinson, yeah, um, from Ole that Miss, was the fifth round pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Oladokun, who you talked about in the intro, just a camp arm, um, Chris Oladokun. I, I thought it was strange to draft one because there's plenty on the scrap heap. Um, I kind of thought they really was, liked him, according to I think what Bouchette said. They really liked him, though. I, I, you watch like I, I hope it doesn't happen because I am a I root for Pickett, but like, watch like long shot this guy become like a stud. <laughs> But, like uh, like the RG three Kirk Cousins thing. I know, like yeah, like you, you pick your guy and it ends up being somebody else. I kind of this quarterback room is so interesting because I'm already hearing Trubisky's you know not thrilled with the picket selection. I mean, he comes here and kind of gets bamboozled, like yeah, 
it, he did say he said the other day they, they did tell him that they would possibly take a quarterback. So it yeah. wasn't they didn't they they didn't bait and switch him. But he, I'm he sure say, he was thinking it was gonna be Willis who's two years away and yeah. my contract is two years. Now you're gonna have Yinzers calling for Pickett on day one. Absolutely. As, as we were calling for Mike Tomzak every second Cordell threw a pick. <laughs> like <laughs> that's just because um, I like Mike Tomzak. I gotta be honest. I know. That's another thing my dad used to do. He was always calling for them to put in Tom Zach. <laughs> but, Mike um, Tom Zach. There, but, I, I don't know if I told you a couple years ago, I saw a guy at the Beaver Valley Mall who had a Mike Tom Zach jersey. I said, if I could take a picture of it, it was great. I, I didn't, didn't know people still had them, but no. But no, Frank, and no, all great points exactly. I'm surprised they didn't take an offensive lineman either. And then, you know, all Doku pick, obviously. That's a race, you know, some people did question that pick in the seventh round. Speaking of wide receivers, I did want to extend a, uh, Shout out here from the NL and uh, Sportscast family. Um, as Frank Conta and I are alums to, to Henry Litwin, Conneaut High School graduate, uh, star wide receiver for The Rock, uh, who got a, uh, a camp invite to the Chicago Bears. Nice. So hopefully we'll, we'll be cheering for Henry Litwin. We'll keep an eye on him, make sure maybe he'll get a chance to make the roster out of there in Chicago. Um, but Very Kirk cool. Green, you know, since Frank and I are our Rock alum, then we get a little shout out to our boy Henry Litwin there. But um, no, Frank, uh, for sure. Uh, like I said, it's going to be, you know, it's funny because I, um, one thing I did do this weekend is I went shopping, you know, for Mom's Day and I ended up picking a few things for myself. One thing I did pick up, uh, maybe because, you know, he passed away tragically, not tragically, but um, due, to, due to ALS, um, was Tunch Ilkin. And I actually grabbed this book on the cheap. And I cracked it open a lot and, and read a few chapters already. I mean, I'm not I'm going to get into it and read it all the way through, but I, I couldn't tempt myself. I picked up a couple of it, but I know one thing he uh, puts said in his book is that he's always found that the NFL draft is like he he kind of never understood why it got it gets so much like hoopla and coverage, and he doesn't trust guys like Mache and Kuiper and things like yeah. that. He kind of almost tunes it out. He said he kind you know he he says that maybe I'm kind of old school, but I've always kind of thought that the draft picks are kind of like a cracker jack box, like you never know what toy you're gonna get inside. And oh, for certain, sure. And certain guys transition to the pros better than others. You know, it's not always how great you are in college. It's your 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 intangibles and things like mm-hmm. that. And so that's why he always said he never like like while while the draft is a way to build your system, it's never like. He never he never like takes the opinions of everyone like like gospel when it comes to draft because every person's their own person and 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 uh, I was kind of reading that chapter about it and I was like oh, you know he's kind of right there you know you know history shown that the draft is such a crapshoot and it's cliche to say that but it it rings more true you know like you said and it's funny you mentioned the old Doku thing with Pickett because I was thinking the same thing and it's like it's like yeah what if he you know and the thing is too is like you know it could be one of those things but I I think. Like I said, I feel like, and uh, I want to go off topic here, well, about Pickett, but uh, apparently one of the uh, Cleveland sports radio personalities had uh, Chris Muller on one of their stations there. One of those, like, sports shock jock guys. Not like Madden, but not nearly as entertaining as Madden. But I forget what show it is. It's not even, they're really not even relevant to even describe the show, but they had Chris Muller on to talk about Kenny Pickett. And I guess every time he would go talk about why the Steelers made the pick, they had a laugh track and they were laughing at the pick. Like, ah, ha, 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 ha. talk about Kenny Pickett. And he's like, well, yeah. ah, ha, ha. we'll see. <laughs> and so I, I tweeted, I got a little fired up for a guy. I mean, I got fired up and I said, well, I said, the fact that the, you know, the Cleveland fan base is laughing at this pick makes me know more than sure. Now that Kenny Pickett's in <laughs> Right. Yeah. What do they know? And they, they what, have a yeah. lot of them to talk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I would say you know your franchise knows about you know 
bust in the first round, but every <laughs> every every big first round pick that you, you cheered, Manzel, Brady Quinn, you cheered them out of the building and then realized that they were they were garbage after. So yeah. I, I went in deep on the Browns fan base and I, and I said, Well, you had a chance to get your franchise back in twenty oh four. I yeah. said, No, but you, you, you yeah, I said, but you dropped down the scum- road, right? Yeah, you drafted that scumbag from Miami and allowed Ben Roethlisberger to be a Steeler. So yeah. and then I said for anyone that's gonna, you know, talk about the allegations against Ben Roethlisberger. You know, you just traded for you just traded your whole future for a guy who has twenty two allegations. So there's that. So yeah, Bronson's a little fired up. You know, didn't <laughs> about the Browns fans going after you know our boy Kenny Pickett. You know, kind of already writing them off from the start. But hey, if the Browns, if the Browns fans and 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 if the fans and and Hoy Polloi and media think that Kenny Pickett's gonna be a bust, that just makes my heart even more comfortable that he'll be he'll be a success in the NFL. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And rant. <laughs> and rant. <laughs> so that was awesome, though. Yeah, I mean, a fun draft. <laughs> I, I, like I said, so many teams did well, and that's okay. You don't have to say that there was a winner and a loser. I think a lot of people improved. Um, it was exciting. Bronson, you, you have a first-round pick. <laughs> Actually, a lot of teams didn't have a first-round pick. I know. Um, but, no, it was fun doing it live with you again, and we'll try to make that a tradition every year. Um Fun breaking down, uh, the, you know, the later rounds and the Steelers picks with you today. But uh, and if you didn't, if ahead. you did not watch us live, go on the NLN Sportscast YouTube page. Uh, there is explicit language on that side. Probably wouldn't watch that while I'm at work, you know, uh-huh. writing a report, but with the speaker on. But um, no, get a chance to check that out. We'll put it on YouTube. It's our first YouTube upload. It's the whole show. Um, I think Frank said, I think it's actually an hour and fifty five minutes in before we we see the picket thing. Um. Or no, they might, you're right, you might be right 55 minutes in. Because they were, they actually, the draft was moving pretty fast. Um, they actually, actually, Frank, that actually was the thing they talked about over the weekend. That the draft was moving so fast in the first round that they deliberately had to slow it down. Which is why we were getting frustrated with, you know, taking 10 years from now's picks at the end there. They actually was moving faster than they wanted, you know, because they got to get their sponsors and their commercials and their charity functions and things like that. So, yeah, apparently the, 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 the slow pace at the end of the first round was done intentionally because they were... They were moving much faster than they, they were there. But any last, uh, any last reflection before we move on, Frank? No, I was about to wrap it up. Uh, that was a you know good coverage, good uh, follow up to our live episode and yeah. breakdown of what we thought. And now it's on to OTAs and mini camps and rookie camps and get these guys. They got their jersey numbers picked out. Uh, that was a big you know point of topic. What what will pick it where? I was a little bit worried. I wanted them to get number eight. Um, but they had just signed Carl Joseph, the safety, um, who kind of was given that number. He, he actually played with us last year in War 8 after Ingram War 8 and was gone. Um, they they gave it to Carl Joseph. So there's some nervous – I was in some message boards with people, you know, with Pitt fans. Um, oh, Kenny Pickett changed his Twitter handle to Kenny Pickett 10. He's going to be number 10. Um, I thought he might get number two, his high school number, if they trade Rudolph. Um, what's he going to pick? It's going to feel weird with him not being number eight. Well, all that got squashed and we can breathe easy as he, uh, you know, they came out with him holding the Jersey. It's going to be number eight. Um, I think the Steelers kind of just politely told Carl Joseph, you're changing your number. Um, I believe when, that hundred percent. When you draft a first round quarterback, they kind of get some preference and yeah, maybe they gave it. Um, I'm not sure if they're allowed to do this per league rules, but maybe they gave, uh, Carl Joseph, you know, a, a 20, 20 grand or something to do it. Um, some type of uh, extra bonus. Um, or they worked out something where Kenny Pickett buys them a Rolex, you know, um, yeah. with, with that uh, signing There's bonus. backdoor deals. Yeah. But so Carl Joseph, you know, 
miraculously changes from eight to 38 overnight. Um, as I check the roster and, um, Kenny Pickett's going to be number eight, but yeah, it's, it's OTAs. It's mini camps coming up in, you know, in, in June and then Latrobe Latrobe is back at the end of July. We'll be talking more football before then I'm sure, but we'll have a fun, Absolutely. we'll find We'll have a fun episode when camp rolls around. So it's, it's going to be excited to see all these new guys in camps, but, uh, no, it was a lot of fun covering the draft with E. Bronson, but that's a good transition. I want to get to our second topic of the night, and this is where one where I'm going to take a little bit of a breather and let you start. Um, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, Bronson and I, uh, we wanted to have a preview episode to go through all these series and give predictions and stuff like we did last year, but time didn't permit for it. But uh, we're going to make up for that by catching you up to present, you know, current day with uh, these eight first-round series um, Stanley Cup playoffs, 16 teams, one goal, uh, mission 16 W as it was said in the past. Um, <laughs> it's, it's already off to a raucous start. Um, all but one of the series have been really tight and interesting. Um, most of them are, are, you know, going into game five now tied up at two, um, you know, a couple are at three, one, but, um, and there was one sweep already that Bronson will get to, but, uh, no, I'm going to toss it over to you. Um, what have you thought so far? And then take us game by game. Tell us, uh, you know, the scores and what happened and catch us up to see uh, who's leading what series and and who's looking good, who, who's looking bad, um, and, and, and get our audience caught up on the playoffs. Well, first off. Breaking news during our show. We, 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 we always love to get <laughs> well, this. this... This isn't quite ESPN breaking news, but if you're a fan, you're a race car fan or a NASCAR fan, um, uh, today, May 10th, 2022, 520 or 512, I'm sorry, let's start this again, 321. Uh, May 10th of 2022 at 512 a.m. at 6.1 ounces, 20 inches, or 6.1, I think it's 6.1 pounds, ounces, 20, or 20 inches. Um, Kyle Bush is a father for the second time. His daughter, Lennox Ski Bush, him and his wife Samantha gave birth, and I know if you, um, I know you're not really big into NASCAR as as I am, Frank. But um, uh, him and his wife have done um, certain stuff with, uh, uh, you know, um, s- s- uh, stem cells. I don't know if stem cells, something like that, where they try to, you know, uh, they're having trouble uh, carrying a baby. And I know they wanted a girl, Gene Bore. I don't, I don't, I'm not scientific. I don't know all that stuff, but. Um, Samantha had a miscarriage a couple of years ago. They've been trying. Uh, Kyle has a son named Braxton. Uh, they wanted a daughter and they have one today. So congratulations to the Bush family. That's a cool thing. Anytime a, a newborn comes into this world. So I know that'll be big NASCAR news there. Lennox key Bush, Kyle Bush's daughter, um, uh, born today. So I know he's a polarizing figure, not a very popular driver with the fans and stuff, but I've always been, uh, I've always respected his greatness and his, his talent. But, uh, yeah, he just tweeted that out tonight. That yeah, he's 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 gonna be a father for the second. He's a father for the second time. So, hope baby's healthy. Hope everyone's good and healthy there. And uh, that will be the last time we touch NASCAR. And then I'll cover that at the end there, uh, Darlington recap and so on and so forth. But Frank, I delay no further. Uh, before we do get in the playoff recap, um, there was an event that happened an hour before we hit record tonight. It is the NHL draft lottery, and uh, the draft is in Montreal this year. Not that I'm bearing the lead or anything here, right? Uh, the draft is in Montreal this year. In Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens had the highest percent of uh, chance to uh, get the pick. And I, there have been some amendments made to the, the draft lottery, Frank, as per 
uh, the CBA and whatnot. Obviously, with uh, uh, I guess you can't have it more than twice in a five-year span. Um, the worst team can't drop below uh, third, I think. And I think um, from uh, the 16 teams that are eligible, um, from 12th on to 16th cannot go up to the first overall pick. Um, key things to remember too, Frank, uh, Buffalo has Vegas's first round pick and Columbus has, um, I want to say Chicago. Yeah. The Seth Jones trade, they have Chicago's first round pick. Those were both lottery protected too. To, so if any of those picks were in the top three, um, you know, they went back to their respectful uh, placeholders there. When it was all said and done, the Frank, the team with the highest percentage chance, the Montreal Canadiens, um, they'll be hosting the draft and they'll be picking first. So the Montreal Canadiens get the number one overall pick. There's still a lot of questions, Frank, whether or not uh, Martin Saint Louis will stay on. He is the interim coach. They fired Ducarnet du- du- early in the year, um, although they played a lot better under Martin Saint Louis. So maybe he gets a he's given a stay of rights and he gets to maybe uh, take that uh, interim tag off. I know a lot of people in Montreal have uh, lauded Martin Saint Louis for the the rise and the play of uh, Cole Caulfield, and obviously he's going to have Caulfield and Suzuki, and now potentially Shane Wright, Frank, as he's the number one overall consensus prospect by NHL Central Scouting, um, and he's playing, uh, I'm trying to think, um, I would say the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL, uh, Shane Wright, he's he's being compared to guys like uh, Steve Eisenman and uh, Patrice Bergeron, so if you get any kind of that kind of player, I think it's worth to have the, the top pick there, Frank. So the Montreal Canadiens will have the number one overall pick, um, not much really shifts except yes, Columbus will have the sixth overall pick and the twelfth overall pick. The Buffalo Sabres will have the ninth overall pick and the sixteenth overall pick. And I'm trying to see if anyone else doubled up on the on the first round here. Yeah, so everyone. And then the top five pick is going to be Frank, the Montreal Canadiens, the New Jersey Devils at two, the Arizona Coyotes at three, uh, Seattle Kraken four, and the fifth, the Philadelphia Flyers. So there, there's where that stands. Um, obviously, um, Shane Wright is the number one consensus overall pick, but there are some guys, and I think the guy that if you're in the Western Pennsylvania area, you will be, be paying extra attention to, and that's Logan Cooley. He's part of the national de- uh, USND national development you know team. Um, he will be in the top five, Frank. There's even say he could probably go number two, although the two uh, Slovak kids, and I'm trying to look their their names up because they're weird. They're um, uh, top prospects here. I, I'll know if I see him, but uh, I know Cooley's going to go top five. I, know, I talked to Frank before we recorded the show. I really hope that uh, Cooley does not become a Philadelphia Flyer. I don't think he'll fall to five. I'd prefer him to not be a New Jersey Devil, but you know, if he goes number two, I'd be happy for the young man. You know, and Frank, uh, if he does stay in that top five pick, he would be the highest Western Pennsylvania native to be drafted. So as long as things don't you know go around, he will be. He will get a chance to be uh, in the top five there and uh, you know, li- live out his dream. Um, but there are a couple of guys in here I'm looking right now. I'm trying to – of course, this is failing me right now, the prospects here. Okay, here we go. Uh, it's um, Simone Nemich um, and Yurov Slavkowski. Those are – Slavkowski, those are, the, those are the two Slovak players that have a chance to, to be in the top five. Matthew Savoy, Brad Lambert. Uh, same as Casey, David Yurchek, but um, Logan Cooley as probably the, the polarizing guy here, being from Western PA, and of course Shane Wright. Um, he was granted an exceptional status, one of uh, like eight players or whatever in history to grant an exceptional status. 
So he's he's the, the, the creme de la creme, you would say, of this year's draft, Frank. And so I'm sure if you're Montreal, you're going to be smiling like the old butcher's dog. Um, hopefully Martin Stanley will be allowed to come back and, and really have a chance to help this kid develop. He'll probably be with the Canadians when the season starts. It won't be one of those Owen Power situations where he goes back to college. Um, uh, right, I believe, will be ready for the NHL. And um, even though he is a, a hot commodity, the number one overall pick potentially uh, this year's draft, uh, I believe this is probably uh, next year's draft will be the the huge get because uh, Connor Bedard will become eligible. So, yeah, so that will be the big the big fish next year. So, um, stay tuned. Like I said, um, that was a good thing to have today before we got into tonight's NHL playoff games. Frank, uh, from what I hear, he was talking. He was watching the Carolina Boston game. I currently have the the, the Maple Leafs Lightning game on right now. But we will jump into the recap. Uh, one of the things that I love to do. Uh, I thought about putting music behind this, but I figured it'd probably put Frank to sleep and annoy you guys to death. So I decided not to do that. But we will start with, and this is not. Um, I guess I would have to re- count the since the game. I believe was already over. Um, I want to. I want to start with that Carolina Boston series, Frank. Um, go into that real quick here. Yeah, because tonight's. Uh, Night's not looking good, so we can pretty much uh, wrap wrap that up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Boston hosted Game One and Two, and obviously the first game, um, Carolina uh, came out came out to play. Frank Jarvis Niedermeyer. <clears throat> of course, my voice is going to go to crap as soon as I start reading these off. So Jarvis and Niedermeyer, first two goals in the and they didn't score until the second period of that uh, of that first game, Frank. So it's two nothing Carolina going into the third. Um, it was Jarvis from Slavin and Ian, and Ian Cole. And Niederreier from Tony D'Angelo and Martin Natchez in the second period. That third period, Frank Taylor Hall gets the bees on the board, assisted by McAvoy and Eric Halla. But then Carolina doesn't look back. Teravine and Trocheck and Shmechnikov. Carolina would win game one, five to one. So kind of establishing their territory early for Carolina on game one. And then they would go to game two uh, at the uh, at the TD uh, Bank North Garden Arena. And this one would uh, would also go the way of the Carolina Hurricanes, and it would be a Carolina uh, Jesper Foss scored the first goal assisted by Stahl and Slavin, Aho uh, assisted by Slavin and Tony D'Angelo. So Slavin really sliding in there. Two nothing Carolina Hurricanes after the first period. Aho would add another goal. D'Angelo again assisting with Teravine and uh, Patrice Bergeron was scoring the power play. The Aho goal that that second goal was on the power play as well. Um, Nita Ryder would score. So it'd be four to one after the second period. Frank. Bergeron would pot another one and make it, um, you know, uh, four to two. But then Nito Niederreiter again another goal, and that actually would give him right there uh, three in the playoffs and um, two in the game, two for Niederreiter, two for Aho, and two for Bergeron. But the score would be five two Boston. So they took the first two games in Boston uh, there, and then they went back to Carolina for games three and four. Um, and um, okay, so grab a game three here. I don't want to skip the other one. So, Vinny Trocek, Frank, he's been making his name known in, the, in these playoffs. He gets a goal there, his second of the playoffs in the game three. Um, Charlie Coyle would get a shorthanded goal in the first period of game three, and and then Boston actually would take this game. Uh, goals by Marshan Pasternak and Taylor Hall. Pasternak and Hall is on the power play, and Jacob Slavin would tally another one, but it would be a 4 2 Boston win in game three, and then. Going back here, and I said this tonight's score score I don't think is is uh, put in here right now. And the second game, yeah, the second game it was Boston and Carolina. Obviously, 
Uh, Brett Pesci got the first goal for Carolina. Bergeron, his third of the playoffs, ties it at one after the first period. Jordan Stallfrank, our old buddy, gets the Carolina out in front. Uh, but Jake DeBrusque in the power play. Brad Marchand in the power play. And then another goal by Marchand and David Pasternak puts the Bees 5-2 to two to tie the series at two, which is kind of weird, Frank. Um, it was kind of weird there. So it's 2-2. And then obviously tonight, uh, this didn't factor in tonight, but Frank, you watched it. Um, this was in Carolina tonight after the two. Oh, yeah, Carolina. Carolina, the first two games were in Carolina. I don't know why I said they were, they were they was not in Boston. It was Carolina. Um, but it's 4 nothing Carolina. Frank, 15-01 here in the third. Uh, the home cooking back home for Carolina. Uh, puts it puts it where it's at there. Uh, Jarvis with two goals tonight. Tony D'Angelo in the power play. And Jacob Slavin, four goals all past. Uh, I think Slavin's in that right front. Did they pull Slavin yet or no? I think he's still in the net there. And run uh, so far, Carolina four nothing, and they are on the verge of taking um, a three to two lead here. But Frank, Boston won the last, the, the the second two. Carolina won the first two. Carolina back in the driver's seat. It seems like uh, they're kind of unbeatable at PNC Arena. Um, so, so now, if as long as Boston does have some sort of come from behind win tonight, looks like it'll be heading back to Boston. Uh, Carolina a chance to close out the series, but. Um, your your thoughts of this series so far, and you watch you watch a little bit of the game tonight, obviously. Yeah, this one's been a good one. It's been one of those um, home team home cooking, like you said. Um, you know, it's not a series until a team wins on the road, but um, so this one's still tight. Um, I really thought that, uh, and this one's we're watching closely because I believe this will be the Penguins' opponent if we're yes. able to. Um, they don't recede, so that we're in this bracket here where. Uh, you know, we will get the winner of of, of Carolina Boston. Pick your poison. And you know, as a, as a Penguin fan, I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of rooting for Boston because <laughs> um, if the Penguins are lucky enough to get through, um, we would have home ice over the Bruins. But they <laughs> always play us tough. Um, the perfection line in, uh, you know, they they seem, you know, Bergeron and Marchand seem to be able to shut down Crosby's line, and you know, they scare me. Um, they don't scare me. It's not too Rask anymore. The Swayman had a good year. Um, but Carolina scary as well. You know, the Penguins skated with them this year. I think we, we beat them once. Um, uh, and, uh, they took it to us a couple games in a row there in Raleigh and then Pittsburgh, uh, you know, later in the year, but, um, we would, we would not have home ice if it's Carolina and they are tough in PNC arena. Like you said, that crowd's raucous. They do the skull chant. Um, <laughs> they love hockey down there. Brenda Moore is a great coach. Um, you know, I've been high on this team the last couple of years. They, they've been my like my pick uh, to go all the way, and it hasn't happened yet. And I, a lot of people are sleeping on them right now. Everybody loves Florida. Everybody loves Tampa. Um, out Carolina's also battled that goalie injury. You know, they have they have rotted right now. But right. I, was, I mean, had... that's that's a point I was going to bring up is this series for Carolina. Two players that have stood out to me, and you said his name a bunch, Seth Jarvis. Um, I think he's 19, 20 years old. Just just got got him from the you know, the Western Hockey League. I think it was a Portland Winterhawk. Um, he's a guy that you know. I've always said it on the show that to win a Stanley Cup, you have to have young, cheap uh, players contribute. The Penguins had it with the all the the young pups in 16, 17. Uh, Rush Sherry, Rush Sherry, and Gensel. Um, you know, you've seen, <laughs> yeah, you've seen all them guys pan out to be good pros now, some superstars. Um, but yeah, Seth Jarvis comes into the team. It doesn't hurt your cap space and, you know, 
obviously there's not a no cap in the playoffs, but he was a guy that was able to play this year. And, you know, you know, they have a lot of dollars, you know, dedicated towards the top of that roster. And, you know, boy, they let Dougie Hamilton walk and haven't missed a beat because Tony D'Angelo comes in pretty cheap and has a great year. Um, and then they overhaul the goalie situation and go from Marazic and Reimer to, to, to Freddie Anderson, who had a Vezina caliber year and then, a uh, auntie Ranta to back him up and boy, they're happy. They have depth now because, you know, Freddie Anderson is hurt much like Tristan Jari, um, late in the years, um, unfortunate injury. Um, but they turned to Ranta and, um, you know, he's a solid, you know, he's a, a, a good pro and a guy that's experienced and they're comfortable with, um, Obviously, Boston took it to him in games three and four. Um, he allowed nine goals in those two games. Uh, there might have been some empty netters, but um, but no, uh, Seth Jarvis, uh, I think already three goals in the series. Um, I think he's playing on the top line. Um, it, it allows them to spread their well, spread the depth out. Um, and that's what Carolina has. They're such a deep team. They roll four lines. Uh, they they just possess the puck so much. They're always in there, you know, in your end. And um, they are going to be tough for anybody. And if they're the Penguins' next opponent, it's going to be tough. But a long way to go, Bronson. Um, it's not a series until a team wins wins on the road. This this one will go back to Boston for Game Six on Thursday, um, seven o'clock on TNT. Um, if the trend continues, uh, the Bruins will be forcing a game seven back in Raleigh on Saturday night. So it's been an entertaining series. Um, Pasta and the perfection line has has performed. Taylor Hall's looked good. Um, you did see Olmark early and then they made the switch to Swayman. So yeah. I'm a big I'm a big theory of if you have two goalies, you have none in the playoffs. <laughs> but um, that that I may be proven wrong there, you know, the, the Penguins, the Murray Flurry thing, um, you can you can do it with two. Um, we're going to see Florida. I'm going. I'm wondering if it's going to be Spencer Knight at some point. Um, and I'll let you get. I'll, I won't spoil that series for you. But uh, yeah. I think I think there's some teams that, and obviously Flurry Talbot. Um, there's some situations where, and we've seen St. Louis switch. So it, it, having two good guys, you might need two guys. You might need to play the hot hand. Somebody might get tired. Um, somebody might get injured, so I could be wrong. Two 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 goalies might be the thing, uh, pretty soon in the NHL. I just don't know if there's 64 talented, you know, NHL goalies to to for every team yeah. to have. To. But um, but no, this series has been fun, Bronson. I've I've caught a few of the games, um, in and out, um, a little bit tonight. But yeah, th- this one I this one I think is going to go down to the wire and probably go to a seventh game with every every home team winning. It's just one of those series. Yeah, I agree with that. So we'll kick it to the, the West Coast, Frank, where the uh, number two Edmonton Oilers plays with the number three LA Kings. And the Kings are kind of a team that kind of came a little bit of a surprise, kind of building on some of the veteran, some of the uh, the wily vets, you know, trying to discover themselves in the past. And they have some young guys there too. You know, Quentin Byfield's a guy I love there. You know I love him in LA there. But we kick it off in game one at um, Rogers Arena. Is it Rogers Center? It's Rogers Center, I think. And uh, in Edmonton, and uh, in the the Kings got on front uh, goals by more by I think it's Tom Moore, right? I'm not I don't watch a lot of LA Kings games this year. Tom Moore and and, and I follow um, those two got on the board two nothing Kings. Of course, you weren't going to get a, a game uh, for the Oilers unless Connor McDavid made his presence felt. So he pulls it in one. Darno Nurse assists on that. Kaylee Yamamoto on the power play ties it up 2-2 for the Oilers. 
and Kings deadlocked at two. Um, Claude Lemieux's kid, Frank, Brandon Lemieux scored. They put the Kings out in front. And but then Leon Dreisaitl on the power play. They give the they give the Oilers too many of these power play chances. They die, then the Oilers tie it up. And I'll tell you what. It looked like it was headed for overtime, Frank. It was a it was two it was a three three deadlock game. And uh, Mike Smith, who's notoriously known for being a really good puck handling goalie, he makes the gaffe, and Philip Deneau puts the puck in the net for the Kings, and that would be all it would handle. The Kings would would uh, would snatch the victory from Edmonton in Game One, four to three, off of that Mike Smith puck handling gaffe in Game One. Um, the second game we would go to the Rogers Arena again, uh, Kings and Oilers. Well, I try to pull the thing as it keeps going back to the top. I don't know why. And the Oilers, uh, this is the game, Frank, where I think they were a little, they were a little pissed off. And pardon my French, they were a little pissed off because uh, the Oiler guns came ablazing. Dry settle in the power play. Darnell Nurse shorthanded. Ryan McLeod, Evander Kane, uh, Poole Jarvey, and Evander Kane, another goal in the power play. Uh, 6 nothing. Oilers blow out of the Kings in game two in Edmonton. We would shift the series to L.A. for game three. Hey, Bronson, do your... Um... You saying that they were pissed brings me back to a, a great uh, a great quote that I love that you do uh, staggy when Mario was uh... oh so so yeah so I was I used to listen to the games you know when I was in high school the Penguins if the the Penguins were on the West Coast swing uh, Ma, uh, Ma, Mama Almond did not let Bronson stay up for those West Coast swings so same I, here so I has I had to listen to three WS on the radio when it would go out to Phoenix or LA and things like that. And uh, Mary Lemieux notoriously was never a big fan of Brad Ferentz. Remember that? And he was in Arizona, he was in Phoenix, and then uh, Mary and Brad Ferentz got into it again when Brad Ferentz went to the Florida Panthers. <laughs> and this game was in Phoenix. It was on the West Coast swing, and I remember it staggy to the radio back when Mikey Lang and uh, and Edzo or who it was were doing the uh, um, the TV side. And I remember, yeah, it was Mary and uh, <laughs> and so Staggy's like, you know, it's like. It's like Mary Lemieux and Brad Ferentz, they never get along. It's like it's like Brad Ferentz, he's like a glove to the face. Oh, he's pissed. Oh, he's pissed. Mary's pissed. <laughs> he said, pardon me. I thought just like oh, yeah, you did. He's like, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's always oh, pissed. Mary Lemieux's pissed. He's going after Brad Ferentz. He's like, pardon <laughs> my language, folks, but Mary Lemieux is upset. <laughs> he was the 3WS call with him and uh I'm trying to think Bob Barry might have still been down there with him on the 3WS call, but yeah, Frank loved it because I think we were, Frank and I were waiting in line for lunch, I think, the next day at the cafeteria, and I and I gave him the the, the play-by-play Mary of Stack. Was pissed, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's always pissed. Mary Lemieux is pissed. <laughs> and he, and we gotta dig like, that out. Maybe that's like, that's how, uh, you that know what's funny? Saying. I don't know if the audio is on there, but if you go on YouTube and type in Mary Lemieux Brad Ferentz, you see there, there's someone put a video montage of all his little I guess Mary just didn't. I don't know what Brad Ferentz did to Mary. Got under his skin. Brad Ferentz probably feather in his cap. He got under Mary's oh, skin. The big boy. Go on, go on, Bronson. No, I'm glad Frank. Game three. Game three. The game three. We go to. We go to the. Uh, it's not even called the, the the Staples Center anymore. It's called something else. Crypto, crypto.com Arena. Yeah. Yeah, crypto.com Arena. And the Oilers, Frank, they would uh, not let up in this game either. This was in L.A., but this is the uh, Edmonton Oilers show. Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman on the power play. Zach Hyman again, uh, two goals by Nugent Hopkins, but the hat trick by Evander Kane um, with go- and the Kings would get on the board. Philip Deneau on the power play and Andre Kopitar. This would be an 8-2 blowout uh, in L.A. by the Oilers, who would go up two games to one in this series. 
And then we would have the second game in L.A. And I'm trying to get that. Of course, there you go. Um, but the hat trick by Vander Kane seals it for game three for the Oilers. We will go down. We will go to the second game in L.A. I really hate ESPN right now for like always reloading this page. Yeah, okay. it's because there's games on currently, so it's like refreshing. I got the, I got it right here. Uh, but the Kings, Frank, they would not say die. Tom Moore, Stetcher, um, and Carl Gunstrom with two goals there. Jonathan Quick would resort to the Jonathan Quick of old. He had 31 saves in a shutout. Um, and Blake Lazat, he would have he would have a, an assist as well as the Kings would shut out the Oilers for nothing in L.A. That puts that series two two. Um, game five is tonight at 10:30, so that series has yet to be determined. There, moving on, Frank. I'm trying to find. Uh, we will go to the let's go to the Calgary Dallas series. This is Frank. This is a series that I'm basically reading off for you. I haven't watched much of the series, uh, but we will go this. It's kind of um, the game one was kind of the, the battle of the goaltenders. Um, Flames would win game one, one nothing. I would love to give you the whole dramatic uh, shutdown of that. But uh, um, Jake Ottinger and, uh, and Jacob Markstrom were the stars of, the, of that show, Frank. And Jake Ottinger is a great guy who's come through with Dallas, one of their young goal, their young uh, prospects there in goal, kind of following that Spencer Knight trajectory there. Um, he makes 25 saves. But it would not be enough. Markstrom in his 16th save. So Dallas really didn't test Markstrom too much in this game. Elias Lindholm would get the only goal. one nothing. Calgary wins at the Saddle Dome. And But luckily the other games would not be nearly as uh, low scoring. And I'm going to find... I really... There we go. Um, there we go. Okay. So, game two in Calgary again. This time, the uh, Jake Ottinger would make 29 saves this time, and this time his performance would uh, would bear fruit as the Stars would beat the Flames two nothing. Two goals by Michael, Ro- a goal by Michael Roffel, and a goal by the wily grizzled vet Frank Joe Pavelski. Um, Jason Robertson assisted on that goal too. He's a guy you know I love from Dallas, um, and marks for 21 saves in the loss there. So. We're getting that Ottinger Markstrom battle there, Frank. And uh, you know, both both young goaltenders. Markstrom a little bit older than Ottinger. Ottinger's a young still quite a young kid still. But uh, I feel like we're gonna see Jake Ottinger in the NHL for quite a while, as long as his game holds together. Uh they would go to Dallas for game three and four. Uh Dallas would take game three, a score of four to two, uh at US Airline Center, if that's still what it's called. Um Ottinger with 39 saves, Frank. Um, Dallas would get goals from Radek Fosca, Joe Pavelski, actually two by Pavelski, uh, Rupe Hintz, um, and then Calgary would get a goal from Trevor Lewis and, um, and Elias Lindholm. So Dallas takes game three to go up two to one on the Calgary Flames. Um, and Ottinger seems like, you know, he's, he's kind of being the, the story of the series here. Um, I, I know they expected a guy like Kadoban to get in there and play, but injury has sidelined him as well. What about Dallas? All this bad luck with goaltender. Oh, I mean, they have um, they have um, Holpe on on reserve too, but he might be hurt too. I know they've they've gone through their share of goalies this year, Frank. But the Flames would um, they would prevail in Game Four. They would win four to one over Dallas to even the series at two two. Game Five is Wednesday, but I will give you the, the, the Ottinger in a loss face fifty save had fifty saves uh, before goals given up to Calgary. 
Um, uh, Anderson, Goudreau, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund, and the the lone goal for Dallas was scored by Tyler Sagan. Um, so that's two two. Game five is tomorrow at ten thirty, um, and I think that's an ESPN game as well. So that's tied to two. Frank, let's go. Let's go to the. Um, let's go to the St. Louis, Minnesota. Or, I'm sorry. What about? Actually, I guess I've given to you. I, I haven't watched much of that series, so I don't know if you've watched any of it. I've kind of. I kind of skipped the one series too. I went right. I just. I just skipped you in your analysis. So real quick before we move on, any analysis of the Edmonton LA series or the Calgary Dallas series? I don't know if you. I haven't watched huh. too many. But I have to admit because they're on so late. I'm usually in bed right. by them. Now, from what I've caught from highlights and just, you know, here and here in the chatter, um, yeah, yeah, Edmonton, Edmonton, obviously the firepower scoring six, scoring eight. Um, They do get shut out in game four. So good bounce back by the Kings. Um, This series has been, uh, you know, the home team's one and one. uh, So this one hasn't kind of been like all all chalk at home, but it's going back kind of even best out of three. Um, it's, it's, it's two, two, um, I'm really pulling for Edmonton. I want to see McDavid and company get far in the playoffs. Um, you know, it's, when is it going to be his time to get the Stanley cup? Maybe not this year, but I hope it's a deep run. Um, I love the Evander Kane signing when it happened. I know he's a guy with baggage, but, um, I got him right away in fantasy hockey and I do got to pat myself on the back a little bit. I didn't say anything much about it this year, but I won my fantasy hockey league. Um, by by a landslide. Uh, it was a rotisserie league, and um, a stick taps there for Frankie. <laughs> I uh, I had a you know a, a twenty game lead uh, most of the year, like it was just a runaway, and I actually didn't realize it, but I hit player maxes, um, which is a thing. They, you know, you're only allowed a certain amount of games, so I maxed out my games with like three weeks left in the season, and I thought, oh my god, I'm gonna probably lose this twenty game lead. But I held on and ended up winning by like 14 or 13. It kind of got scary, but uh, a lot of the other guys maxed out too. So uh, it was just a Yahoo league with with uh, with strangers. Um, but uh, no, I had a lot of fun doing that. I listened to NHL networks, you know, draft spe- you know, fantasy draft specials, and picked all the guys they said. And boy, they know their stuff. Um, and uh, Evander Kane was one of the guys I just got off a of free agency because he wasn't playing, and I knew if he went to Edmonton. Um, he would play with McDavid or Dryside on light it up. Obviously, a guy that's still really talented. Uh, so, yeah, and he's playing dividends like you said with that hat trick, and he's such a physical, a physical player with 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 skill. Um, an element that Edmonton now has, uh, you know, some some better depth and some some size and strength. So, um, it's all the goaltending with them. You know, Mike Smith is. Like you said, the huge gaff, even though he's a great puck handler, he has like a goal or a goal or two in his in his day. Um, but uh, yeah, he had the huge gaff a la Tristan Jari in game five last year or Marc-Andre Fleury um, uh, against Montreal, the one the, uh, in the bubble. But um, no, he, he's uh, he's bounced back a little bit. Yeah, he a couple of good games there in games two and three. Um I think Edmonton has enough to take the series. They have two out of the last three at home. I think McDavid's going to race his game. Um, L.A. does have to stay out of the box, so that power play is lethal. Um, But, no, that one's going to be fun and down to the wire. Calgary-Dallas, I have not seen, you know, really a second of, I will admit. Um, So it's it's another one that's 2-2. It's like I mentioned in the opener, all these series are 2-2. It's crazy. It's, it's, It's great drama. You know, Gary Bettman and, and company and all the networks are loving it. Um, but uh, 
no, no clear. I, you know, I thought Calgary had the edge in this series. Dallas was, Dallas was one of the final teams in, um, you know, with Vegas kind of uh, choking at the end, and Dallas yeah. kind of, Dallas kind of just around five hundred all year. Vegas uh, got snake bit with the injury to Leonard. Yeah, so um, Calgary, I think, is the two seed out west. I want to say, and yeah. um, so they're really you know a lot of people are sleeping on them but some people I, i've seen have them go into the cup final um with markstrom is just so good i mean you know obviously he's a Vezina candidate been great all year um i think he's the difference in the in in, in the last three games um for them so I, I think calgary will be able to take it home yeah and uh, i was just looking i was looking through we're getting i'm gonna do the um st louis minnesota series and Frank, our boy Mark Andre Fleury was uh, was baptized in Game One as uh, Juice Landry would say in the NFL. He was blessed. Yeah, they blessed him. Um, four nothing win for for the St. Louis Blues in Game One. Billy Huso ended up being the star of that game with thirty seven saves, four goals, three of course a hat trick by former Penguin uh, David Perron, two in a power play, and another one by the former Erie Otter and former playoff MVP Ryan O'Reilly that gets St. Louis to the edge in Game One. Um, as uh, and I thought maybe that you know they had a good start there, but I do believe, you know, of course, ESPN is going to fail me right now as I'm trying to go back to the playoff list here. But no, Frank. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy start there in that series of the, the St. Louis Blues and, and Minnesota Wild. And Bill Guerin, you know, he got Mark Andre Fleury for for reasons, you know, not that he didn't trust Cam Talbot because Cam Talbot had a great showdown with with the flower uh, last year when Minnesota played uh, Vegas. Um, but, uh, you know, he, you know, Talbot had struggled down the stretch towards to the regular season and uh, Bill Guerin got his old running buddy from the 09 championship uh, uh, Stanley cup team with Pittsburgh, Mark Andre Fleury. And, uh, you know, you know, accommodated him allows his family to be there. And um, who knows, you know, depending on how this series goes, maybe before he extends, Extends his contract there as well, but um, game two would be a different story. Frank, St. Louis would uh would lose six to two to the Minnesota Wild. Goals by Joel Erickson, Eck, Freddie Gaudreau, the former Penguin, in the power play. Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov who had a hat trick this game. Frank, two, one in the power play, and two other ones, and another goal by Joel Erickson, Eck. Goals for St. Louis with Jordan Cairo and Vladimir Tarasenko, but it was Kirill the Thrill the hat trick. Mark Andre Fleury, thirty two saves. Uh, for the Minnesota Wild, as they would tie the series up one to one. Game three would be there. We go, and this one would be much of the same as Minnesota would. Uh, Minnesota would put the pressure on the St. Louis Blues. Five to one wins. Frank Flurry, ironically, twenty nine saves for the Flower. Uh, goals by Jordan Greenway. Uh, goal by Kirill, the throw, Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Joel Erickson, Eck, and Jonas Brodin. Ryan O'Reilly had the only Blues goal in the power play, so he had a 2-1 lead by Saint, or by the Minnesota Wild uh, going into uh, game four. And um, this one would, would even back up to Frank. The Blues would win 5-2. to two. Uh, Jordan Biddington would get 28 saves. Um Jordan Cairo would score two goals. Um, Ryan O'Reilly in the power play. David Perron actually Perron had two, and Cairo had two, and O'Reilly had one to make it uh, five to two. Um, Boldy for Minnesota and Kirill the throw Kaprizov 
that's his fifth in the playoffs. So that's going to be tied two to two. Frank, so yes, Frank, another deadlock series, Minnesota and St. Louis. And I'm looking to see when the next game is for that. That's actually, um, actually underway right now uh, on ESPN. So um, that that's going on right now. Um, Toronto just tied it up with Tampa Bay. It looks like right here. We're going to get to that in just oh, a second. Oh man, I just looked down and I, I have that game on and I was, I was watching, uh, watching my <laughs> computer. I'm really pulling for Toronto. I'm t- you know, obviously uh, I, don't, I don't want Tampa. You know what? Like let's go. Let's go to that series. Actually. Why not? Let's start nice that segue, series. Nice yeah. segue. Yeah. Let's start that series. It actually was crazy because the first game was, uh, uh, the first game was in what? It was in Toronto, right? I think they had the, they had the home ice this, this series, uh, which is weird. You know, Tampa Bay, the two-time back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. But it would be a 5 nothing route of the of the Lightning, and that would be goals by Jake Muzzin, Frank, the former Penguins draft pick, um, Kempf, Mitch Marner, and two goals by Austin Matthews would be enough to shut out the defending Cup champs in game one. We would go to game two in Toronto. And I hate this thing always pushing back to the top. Um, and the Lightning would make this one right. They would win five to three in game two. Um, uh, looking here, goal. Uh, Tampa Bay actually ended up getting. They actually came out uh, two nothing. Hedman and Perry, the first two goals there. Bunting would tie, would pull within one for Toronto. But Cooch, Nick, Nikita Kucherov, Hagel, the guy they got from Chicago in the, the trade deadline. Toronto just took the lead. Goal right here. This is this is the one we're watching live, Frank. Toronto just pulled ahead of Tampa right now. Man, you're ahead. Against... You're ahead of me, so it threw me off. But William Nylander, wow. Yeah, William Nylander. Tampa shell shocked. <laughs> oh wow. And this, this is, is a in fan Toronto base. too. It's a fan base. 1964. They look at <laughs> look at them outside. They're just hungry. I I'd like. To, I love Matthews. I would like to see them go on a run too. I think I think it would be very fair to say, Frank, that Austin Matthews has been the best player in the NHL this year. 60 I mean, goals and he missed. I love know. Connor McDavid. I love Obi. I love Connor. Oh, Matthews is unreal and he missed time. He was injured. Remember, he missed the first yeah. week. But I, I, I mean, got to hand the floor cap. was 70. Yeah, I got to hand the cap to Austin Matthews this oh, year. Oh, man. No I, we need a Canadian team in the final. Uh, we, you, we need a Canadian <laughs> team to win it, maybe. I mean, Montreal got there in the bubble, but it well, didn't feel right. But <laughs> <laughs> finishing up game two's recap, Frank. You had Tampa goal, but Hedman, Perry, Hagel, Braden Point. Um, and Kucherov, and then Marner, Kerfoot, and Bunting. It would be five three Tampa winning game two. Um, going through game three, and this one would be a light. This will be a Maple Leafs win here in game three at Tampa Bay. And of course, it's not going to load even I click the link. There we go. Um, it would be a five to two Maple Leafs winning game three. Um, uh, Morgan Riley in the power play, Blackwell, Camp. Uh, Mikhailov, Mikhailov, both toy goals there for Toronto, and then in the losing effort, Tampa Bay gets one from Ross Colton and Andre Palat, and then Tampa would win Game Four, and then, so we're not factoring tonight's score either. So Tampa Bay routes them seven to three in Game Four. Um, Stamkos, Pierre Edward Barmar, Pat Maroon, Ross Colton, Corey Perry, Andre Palat, Ross Colton again for Tampa. Two Willie Nylander goals and a Jake Muzzin goal uh, for Toronto. They lose seven to three in that game, and then we take it to the goal. The game right now, Frank, it's three two Toronto. Um, you're gonna grab that right now as we are looking through here right now, 
and game five right here. Let's see, let's see, we got the score. Yeah, three two. We got the goal. We already recapped a couple. Willie Nylander, um, right now the most recent goal. But uh, Tavares power play, Morgan Riley and Nylander. So they were down two nothing. Frank Stamkos had been on the board for Tampa to go two nothing, but three straight. Tavares, Riley, and Willie Nylander. And uh, we'll keep you updated how this goes along that way. And, Frank, we also forgot to mention, too, that one of the series is already over. Um, and we didn't, think, we didn't think that would happen, but it did happen. And that was the Nashville-Colorado series, Frankie. Um, it did not help that UC Soros was injured in this series. Uh, let's just be real. I'll, I'll kind of give you, like, the, um, the uh, autopsy of this series. When you don't have your Vezina, you know, candidate goaltender, and you're probably not going to win the game, especially when you struggle to get in. UC Saros uh, was out for this series, Frank, for the most part. He got hurt in that first game, I do believe. Maybe even not before there. I'm not quite sure. But I know, um, yeah, it was, it was Rittich, and then they went to the other the other kid, too. Um, but game one, Frank, it was, you know, the big kids showed up to the playground, Frank, Nathan McKinnon, Devin Taves, Andrew Cogliano, Kale McCarr, Ontario Lekkinen, Gabriel Landis Coggin, Nate McKinnon. And that was like uh, first 10 minutes. It was, I looked up, it was <laughs> five, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew Shane, the former avalanche had the two goals for Nashville, but it was not enough. Um, the, the abs, the abs definitely were the, you know, were the man and pri- the team in prime time, the game one, like I said, all four of these games were in the direction of the abs. I just want to give you goal scores on the series there. Uh, okay. Game two here. This actually was a close one. This was this went to overtime, Frank. This one, uh, this is the one I think where he, um, if there were flash, over, flash over there, would be um, you know, goaltending. Uh, would be Nathan McKinnon and Trennan uh, for Nashville to tie it up. But in overtime, Frank, the man, the myth, the legend, the Norris candidate, Kale McCarr, uh, would would make right for the Boston or for Boston for Nashville for. They're for Colorado Avalanche. Thank you, Bronson. Uh, they put two nothing up there for the Avs. They don't have the. I'm trying to remember who the backup goaltender is for Nashville after Riddich. Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram. Thank you very much. This is why we have a, a co-host here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just even Frank. You didn't have Soros this series. I mean, you feel for the Nashville Predators. I'm, I don't know if you do or not, but uh, Game Three. I mean, it was pretty much like I said, seven three Game Three at Nashville. The Preds hope maybe home home ice can uh, could swing it the way they wanted to, but just all basically a, a continuation of the same thing. Goals for the Colorado Avalanche by Lekkinen, um, McKinnon, Gabriel Landis, Coggy at two, Nazem Kadri, um, uh, Nachushkin, and Devin Taves, Roman Yossi, Toivonen for Nashville, and Matthew Shane. It was seven three, uh, Avs, and then they would not need to go back to Colorado, Frank. As this would be a clean sweep, get the get the knives out, carve them up. Um, that would be all they needed. And in Game Four, five three, Colorado beats Nashville. Um, Trennan, two goals for Trennan. Um, Forsberg for Nashville, and then Burkowski, Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, Valerie Nishushkin, and Nathan McKinnon. That would send the Preds packing. Four 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 game win clean sleep for the Colorado Avalanche. They're probably gonna rest a little bit, rest and relaxation. Um, I think they're missing someone in the series too, Frank. I'm, I'm trying to think who they're missing in the series. Uh, 
I know they're missing a big player, uh, Colorado in the series. So they'll probably, I forget who it is off the top of my head, but then we'll wait for that person to come back. And then we'll move over here. I think we have um, one more series. Frank, we have more series. Yeah, one more series. The Florida-Washington series. That's the only one we'll have to cover before we go to the main event here. And that one's at the top of the page. That's why I, I worked bottom up. So Florida and Washington, Frank, I, I did make a prediction before this, not on the show, but I've been very vocal this year about how I don't buy Florida. Um, and it kind of shows, it's kind of starting to show its rear, rear its ugly head a little bit, even though the, um, we know how the series ends up right now. But game one, Frank, um, trying to hit this button here. It's messing with me. Okay, here we go. Game one, Frank, uh, Washington on the board. Tom Wilson, the power play. Sam Bennett ties it for Florida. Claude Giroux, Frank, a playoff goal for another team. He's on the Florida Panthers. He gets the Cats up 2-1, to one, but the Capitals would not look back. Evgeny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, and Lars Eller, 4-2 to win over the Florida Panthers in game one. And going back to the other score sheet here for game two. And I, I was not shocked that Washington got that game one win. I totally expected that. But game two came, um, and this one would swing a different direction, Frankie. The Panthers would re- recover and grab game two with a score of 5-1. to one. And when this loads, I'll give you the goal scores for that game. And we got, we are moving, we are moving. Okay, here we go. Goal scores by Aaron, by Aaron Ekblad, on, uh, um, Alexander Barkoff, Mason Marchman, Frank, the former uh, Erie Otter, uh, Lundell and Carter Verhage, all goal scores for Florida. Backstrom, the only goal score for the Caps in that series. Um, um, this game three is actually the one I watched the whole way through, Frank. This was a Washington Capitol beatdown of the Panthers. Six to one win. You got goals from TJ Oshie, Matias Johansson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, and Garnet Hathaway, the only goal scorer. For the Florida Panthers was Jonathan Huberto. And then we go to game four. And again, as it keeps refreshing every time I go to click the link. This one went to overtime. And Florida would win this in overtime three to two. Goal scores by two. But, well, two including the game winner by Carter Verhage. Sam Reinhardt had the other goal by Florida. And TJ Oshin of getting his nets off uh, right there. And Frank, the, uh, the the Lightning are not done yet here. They just got on the board right now to tie it up a three. Um, it looks like it is Ryan McDonough, it looks like. I don't know if I'll catch a replay here. This might have been a point shot or something. I'm uh, looking right now. You're probably watching this with me, so. Yep, Ryan McDonough, the former Ranger, the two-time Stanley Cup champion, keeps the Lightning in this with a nice point shot, or nice little point-blank rip shot over... Uh, Jack Campbell. But yeah, Frank, the, but yeah, 2-2 a series tied Washington and Florida. Like you said, most of these series deadlocked at 2-2. Your reflection of you watched much of this series. Like you said, it looks like they may have to go to Spencer Knight. It's looking the playoff Bobrovsky has reared his ugly head. Yeah, I was kind of with you, Bronson. I was kind of like, wait and see what Florida does here. The President's <laughs> Trophy, uh, President's Trophy winning team. Um kind of you know everybody are they going to bully their way through the east are they you know everybody a lot of a lot of you know the the one seeds the colorado and the floridas you know a lot of people penciling them in to a stanley cup final rematch of 1996 um 
but no, uh, Washington, the, the experience, you know, the, the, the aging superstars, but, you know, guys that have been there, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Backstrom and Oshie and Carlson and all the playoff experience, um, I knew they would give them a, a run for their money. And I was shocked they took game one. Um, Florida bounces back and takes game two. Washington, the blowout in game three. I thought this series could turn in game four. Um, I thought Washington had all the momentum. They had game four at home. Um, I think it was their chance to take the series and go up three games to one and kind of put the doubt in the, the minds of uh, of the uh, Florida Panthers. But, boy, they pull off that overtime win. You know, that's the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's just so razor thin, the, you know, the, the difference of these teams. It, it, one bounce, it could be three games to one Washington. But Florida gets the uh, the big overtime win and comes home 2-2 and, just like in a lot of these series, it's the best of three now, and they got home ice back. Um, who's going to be the, you know, uh, are we going to see Spencer Knight? Is it going to, they going to ride Bobrovsky? Um, are Washington stars going to step up in, 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 in crunch, crunch time? Um, I'm definitely going to try to catch the, the, the last couple of games of this series. I didn't catch yeah. a lot of it, but um Another one of these classic series. It's it's youth against experience. Um, Florida obviously so talented, so deep. Huberto, Barkov, great. You know the acquisition of of Giroux to to kind of add some of that experience. And and he's playing wing for them. They're, they're that deep at center. And um, you know, and and Bronson, I don't love it, but they they might be this year's team that I get mad about the rule, the Kucherov rule. Um, <laughs> they. Purposely, you can tell now because they had such a huge lead. Aaron Eckblad held Aaron Eckblad out. Said he, <laughs> they said he was out for the year, long term IR, um, bad injury. Aaron Eckblad will miss the remainder of the regular season with like twenty <laughs> games to go, and yep. uh, miraculously he you know takes a a, a, a magic pill. Uh, the day of the playoffs start, and he's... Uh, I was going to say, game three. In game three, he was skating faster than I've ever seen him skate yeah. in my life. <laughs> Mir- miraculously healthy for game one of the playoffs. I haven't looked at catfriendly.com, but they're probably seven or eight over million over the cap. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that, that one kind of sticks in my craw. I Florida's not a team I hate, though. If, if it's not the Penguins, you know, I said I want Toronto. Um you know, obviously, I want the Penguins. Every every team I'm rooting for is is uh, with the caveat if the Penguins can't go. But uh, Florida's a team I wouldn't mind either. Um, although that's you know that's not a hockey really rich area. They're they're not even selling out these playoff games. It's really strange. They've had attendance issues for years, um, but they got a good squad. And you know, with Quenville gone, the brunette story is good. You know, it comes in as a, a as an interim coach and still leads them to the President's Trophy. Um, but no, that one's going to be a great ending. Um, the Colorado Nashville one I'll touch on, you went through that. Um, you know, Nashville missed their chance to make it a series uh, or make it more interesting in overtime in game two. Um, you know, they really bounced back after getting boat raced in game one. Like I said, it was five, nothing when you blinked, um, in the first period, um, they stayed with them in game two and, you know, without Saros, you you said it. I mean, you're not you're you're missing a Vez and a winner against the best team you know in the West, maybe in in the whole league. They they do look like a buzzsaw. Kel McCarr is yeah. so good. He's so slippery back there, um, so smooth. We saw it when he debuted two years ago in the playoffs, right out of college. He, he debuted in the playoffs before he did in the ever did in the regular season, and yeah. uh, he, you could tell he was gonna be a stud. And 
you know, now he's up for the Norris Trophy. You know, eighty some points this year. Him you and know. Yossi, I think that's the kind of heads up matchup right there. Yeah, it was you know head to head two of the three Norris candidates, and Makari, you know, doesn't get credit for his you know his prowess defensively. It's all offense, but he's solid defensively as well. He's top yeah. pair, top we're getting top pair minutes. Um, but you know they they did steamroll him after that overtime win. It was, it was you know I thought going back to Smashville, you know that tough crowd. I thought Nashville might take a game and force it to five, but that is our lone sweep. You know, usually you'll have one sweep. Um, we we did have it. A lot of people predicted it would be the lone sweep after the Soros news and um, Colorado putting up 12 goals in two games in Nashville to, to, to ice it away. Um, now they get that all-important rest, uh, get healthy, and, you know, they always say you have to have one short series when you uh, go on a cup run. So Colorado gets it uh, gets it early. Get probably get a, probably gonna have a week or more uh, rest now. So you always have that rest versus rust debate. But um, yeah, they could use it. And that series was you know you can you can obviously see Colorado put up uh, was it fourteen that twenty one goals in the four games. So that's <laughs> yeah. five five point two five goals per game. Um, if my math is, uh, you know, my math is not great, but, uh, <laughs> they, they, they're looking like a buzzsaw. Yeah. And that, that series was, uh, over before it started, but, um, oh, yeah. and there then, you know. uh, but no, yeah, that's uh, just so interesting. Bronson, every series is so tight. Um, Ryan know, O'Reilly just scored for Minnesota or St. Louis. So okay. So that one's on ESPN two right now as a, or no, that's ESPN. Yeah. Um, as, oh, Toronto. Toronto it is. <laughs> Austin Matthews. Yeah. Oh man, the Phoenix area native. <laughs> With six minutes <laughs> to go, now they have to. Oh, Staggy says great, six folks. six miles to go to take a oh my goodness a three two lead down to Tampa. This series, I, I guess you talked about, and I did. I, I've seen a lot of it. Um, loved game one. Toronto came out guns a blazing. Got I I knew they couldn't trail in this series and play from behind because Tampa would just. Tampa's oh, yeah. a Tampa's a front-running team. It would be it would be tough mentally for Toronto to be down. So they haven't trailed in this series yet. They 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 did lose game two at home, which worried me because going back to Tampa, I didn't think this this young Toronto team could win a game in Tampa. Obviously, it's like let's go down there and earn a split, and and we'll see what happens. We'll come back home and. Boy, they trailed all night tonight, but they've exploded for three in the third. And, uh, you know, now their goal is go down to Tampa. Obviously, finish this out. Five minutes left. It's going to be tough. But if they can get a win here, can they end this series in Tampa and and, and crown us a new champion? There won't be a three-peat if they can end it. A lot of hockey. Tampa, everybody's saying it three years in a row. So much hockey. Are they finally going to run out of gas? Um Toronto, a team that finally avoids Boston, even though they get the they, even though they get the back to back champs, they they probably are a little bit happy it's not Boston. So uh, and they can't even meet Boston. 100%. They can't even meet them in the second round if they would win. So they yeah. get they get the Florida Washington winner. But uh, go Toronto! I'm definitely pulling for them. I'm tired of Tampa. Go Leafs, go Frank says. But, yeah, go Leafs, go. Let's get a Canadian team deep in the Jack playoffs. Campbell. My guy, I don't, but you know I've been a fan of him. So I've always liked him too. Such a humble guy. Um, rooting for his success. Um, the American goaltender. So five miles to go here in game game yeah. five. Get the get the three two lead down and take take it home down in Tampa. You know, stay, you there. We'll stay with you as this game goes on. But Frank, we're here. We know at the end the main event. 
No, we're done. We're moving on to final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> no, the uh, the Penguins and the Rangers. The main final. event of the evening, Frank. <laughs> the Penguins and the Rangers, and I'll be obviously more detailed because we've watched every game of this series. And, of course, ESPN's going to be because as refreshing as the goal scoring. I actually might just try to see if I can just get uh, the Pittsburgh game Ranger. Here we go. So, Frank, game one, Madison Square Garden, Penguins, Rangers. You know, the Penguins are favored to win this series. They're going into the series with Casey to Smith, right? <clears throat> what would happen? You know, these two, team, these two teams played. It was kind of foreshadowed for, for about a month that they would inevitably meet. The Rangers killed the Penguins in regular season matchups. Um, they won the overall series in the regular season. Um, and, and so we get we kick off with game one of the of the series. Uh, the scoring was started by... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm trying to talk. I'm pulled into this game here. But... Um, uh, sorry. I'm just looking this up real quick here. Uh, great air, I know. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to see about this series with the thing there. Okay, so yeah, Adam Fox will start the scoring for the Rangers on the power play. We remember that you get the you would get the thing going one nothing New York Rangers. Um, Adam Cop, he's the he's the guy they got for is it Andrew Cop. Actually, it's Andrew Cop, right? Uh, the guy they got from uh, Winnipeg in the in the deadline deal. He would pull out in front. Uh. 2-0 New York. Um, Ryan Strom and Jacob Truba assisted on the cop goal. Mika Zabinajad and Chris Kreider assisted on the power play goal by Adam Fox. 2-0 New York. Um, that was midway through the second period for Frank. Jake Gensel, you mentioned his his contributions to the, the, the 17 cup run. He would score two goals in the second period. Crosby and Russ assisted in the first. They, they also assisted on the second goal by Jake Gensel. 2-2 Frank. Um... Chris Kreider would score a Penguins backbreaking shorthanded goal for the Rangers. Mika Zibanejad assisted on that, but they would bounce back. Brian Russ would score on the power play, assisted by Malkin and Latang, to make it three-three at the end of the second period. Frank, um, the third period would bear no fruit, so we would go into overtime. Frank, and I know you were watching this with me. Game one, overtime. The first overtime, nothing bears fruit. Back and forth, great chances, but nothing ultimately comes of it. Second overtime, Frank. Back and forth, chances missed, things things happen. And all of a sudden, we're talking about the great story that is Casey DeSmith. He's making save upon save, weathering the storm brought on by the onslaught of the New York Rangers. And then all of a sudden, Frank, halfway through the second overtime, Casey DeSmith waving over the trainer. We see him walking down the Madison Square Garden runway, limping, and now we're like, "Oh my God, Frank, what about what? What is going on here?" And we all know Tristan Jari out with a broken foot, and now Louis Domingue has to come into the game, the third string goalie. He's played everywhere: AHL, ECHL, NHL. Last last place he played was in Calgary system. and played for Calgary. I remember sending Frank the camp picture of him with the Calgary Flames pads on when he was still rolling into camp in, uh, in September. But he steps in, Frank. I thought the Penguins really uh, insulated him well to come into a second overtime situation like that, Frank. And he was the man for the job. He held the fort up. We would go into the third overtime, and Casper uh, Capita would pass the puck to John Marino, who would flick the puck to the net, 
and it would find the stick of Evgeny Malkin and deflect past Igor Shosturkin, who also had a great performance in this game one, Frank. Um, the Penguins would, would would sneak that goal on the tip by Evgeny Malkin past Igor Shosturkin. They would win game one, four to three. And Casey DeSmith started the game, but Louis Domingue finished the game. He gets the win. They take game one, your reflections of game one, Frank. I mean, just such a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you know, you, you don't get the first goal. You're, you know, kind of worried there. I mean, I thought it was important for the Penguins to start strong, get the first goal. Um, I was really hoping for, you know, obviously you want to win game one, get off on a good footing, kind of put doubt in the heads of the Rangers. Back and forth game and uh, where the Penguins kind of hang in there. It's, you know, Crosby and Gensel playing great. Um, they know that, you know, they're ready for the playoffs and, it goes into overtime, and boy, playoff overtimes just turn your stomach. You know, we've been a part of them so <laughs> so many in our you know our young fandom, um, and they were mentioning as this as this game went on and on, they're mentioning Peter Nedved. You know, they uh, I remember being up for that. Obviously, Keith Primo, I was awake for that. You know, this one luckily was only like midnight Eastern when it was like the third. Peter Sakura, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the. Around midnight in the third overtime, great play by, uh, I think it was Kappen into Marino. And then Marino just get it on net and Malkin with the tip and the Penguins get the big win. But obviously, yeah, the story is to Smith uh, having to leave. I didn't know. I thought, you know, first first uh, guess was a concussion. Um, I think he had taken one off the mask not too long before I that. I thought he might have been dehydrated too, playing that Yeah, long. they were talking about dehydration. I was thinking concussion. Um, but then you did see one angle down the tunnel. He was uh, um, he was limping. Um, so I'm like, God, oh, something with the leg or knee. Um, and you could see, you could kind of see a limp. Um, and you know, he would never um, remove himself, you know, from from a from that situation if it wasn't serious. Yeah. Uh, Mike Sullivan's look on his face was just like, oh, no, this is, you know. And you bring a cold goalie in in the third overtime, I, I thought immediately, we're doomed. Uh, I think I think it was late second overtime. They had to bring they had to bring Deming in, and obviously the funny story is the spicy pork and broccoli that keeps getting <laughs> <Yeah>. mentioned. <laughs> Louis Deming was eating, uh, you know, during, I think, the between the first and second intermission, yeah. uh, first and second overtime intermission, not thinking he's going in at all. A lot of the players will eat. We, we heard pizzas are brought in to remember the Sakura game. You just mentioned yeah. they were ordering little Caesars pizzas in Detroit. Um, so, uh, but for some reason, I don't know how he got it and from what like concession stand. And he was sitting in the Zamboni tunnel cause there's no room on the bench <laughs> yeah. eating spicy pork and broccoli, like a, a meal that you, you know, that might upset your stomach if you have to go in like very, it's becoming a legendary, um, but the Ming and, and, you know, I think I might've texted you this. I think we were texting. Um, the Rangers did him a favor with a couple of cupcakes, um, yeah. a couple, a couple soft, shots. Yeah, a couple point shots with nothing on them that he kind of could absorb into the logo or into the into the catching glove. And then the Rangers not knowing about his right-handed glove for a while, um, just constantly just shooting it into his glove, some some easy ones. Let him get into the game a little bit. Yeah. And I said right away, you know, we have to – Penguins have to play in the other end. We have to make sure we – you know, don't let this guy get tested early. Um, you know, don't let it, don't let the Rangers pepper him. 
Um, but no, they gave him a couple easy ones, which I liked, and then they got to the intermission. That's another point I said is if they can get this to the third overtime and let him regroup in the locker room with the goalie coach and just catch his breath and realize it's my game now, um, I think that we have a, a, you know, a chance again. So they got that accomplished. They, they got both of my goals accomplished. A couple easy saves got to, it, got to the intermission. At that point, I'm like, okay, he's stretching now. He's not cold anymore. He's in the locker room preparing, talking with his goalie coach and, and, and Coach Sullivan, you know, getting some more stretching in. Um, we, might, we might be pretty good here. And, uh, you know, luckily, you know, he didn't have to make too many spectacular saves in the overtime. He was good. And uh, as uh, Toronto holds on, uh, yeah. to, to update everybody. They take, the, so, they take the lead three to two in the series. Now we go back to Tampa. Yep. So it was awesome to see the Penguins get it done. I, I was, I had resigned myself. Okay. We're losing game one. It's, it, you know, DeSmith had to come out. Um, it is what it is. We'll get, we'll go get them in game two or whatever. But when Malkin scored, I, 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 I jumped up for joy. It was, it was worth staying up and the, the Penguins kind of stole home ice right away and shell shocked the Rangers and, and, um, and, and, and it was great. I mean, it was a good way to start the series. It was, uh, you know, off on the right foot. You know, everybody, a lot of the, most people picking the Rangers in the series, the Penguins said, not so fast. We're here to play. And, um, obviously, you know, got the, Got the the goal in overtime. You know, it could go either way. One bad bounce and over, overtime playoff hockey's is such a crapshoot. But the, it, it bounced the Penguins' way that night. Yep. Hello, Frank. Um, Louis Domingue would find uh, he would find reality in Game Two, as with the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rangers would bounce back with a five to two win in Game Two. Um, the goal scoring was started by Andrew Kopp to start off the, the goal system by Artemi Panarin and Justin Braun. Although Gensel would tie it up. An assist by Crosby and Marcus Pedersen. In the second period, Ryan Strom would score on the power play, assisted by Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox. And Chris Kreider would also, they would put them up 3-1 to one on his goal, assisted by Frank Vetrano and, uh, and Keandre Miller. Crosby would get a goal, though. Uh, Matheson and Russ would assist that one. But in the third period, Frank, you know, yeah, it was 3-2, to two, a chance for the Penguins to try to make something happen in the third. But Artemi Panarin and Frank Vetrano uh, would score in the third. That would be an, that would be it for the um, the Penguins. They would lose five to two to the New York Rangers and the MSG. I think if you had told if I had told you a week before you could get it one one going back to Pittsburgh, I think you would have took it. Yeah, that's what I was saying too. I after game two and uh, you know the Penguins, I think had a chance in this game. I think they got a little unlucky, but that you know the Rangers were kind of due. Um, you, and like you said, you'd sign up in blood for a split, so. I, I felt good coming back home, you know, <coughs> ha- having it be one, one, obviously two Oh would have been a dream to, to go up two Oh on the road. But, um, you know, earning the split in New York still, still had the, the series in the penguins favor, you know, with, with home ice in their fate with five games to go, it turns into a best of five with three of them at PPG paint. So, um, yeah, I, I was still feeling confident after game two. I didn't think, you know, even though Domingo in five, he didn't look bad. You know, a lot of them weren't his fault. He didn't allow any, uh, you know, real cheapies. So, still liked our chances after that game. So then we would go to game three in a game that my buddy Mike Shuttleworth would call the Jekyll and Hyde game. He would call this the that's the, the infamous game. We're going to call it the Jekyll and Hyde game. And going back to game one too, Frank. 
that game, that overtime game, that's going to live in Penguins folklore and history. We're going to be talking about that game as we would like the Nedved game and the, and the Sakura game. We're never going to forget that game. That was right. a great one. The spicy pork and broccoli Louis Domingue. One <laughs> <laughs> one Minnesota tied uh, St. Louis. Okay. Kirill the and Thrill. <laughs> Kirill the Thrill Capriza, our, our boy. boy. So the game would start, Frank, in P- at PPG Paints Arena for Game 3. Brock McGinn would actually start the scoring for Pittsburgh. Uh, one nothing for the new. That would be less than two minutes in the game. They got they came out and started out hot, but the Rangers a couple minutes later would uh, would would ease that as Capo Caca would score for the New York Rangers to tie at one one, and then all of a sudden Frank, the Penguins get two power play chances. The first one Jeff Carter on the power play says about Evan Rodriguez, Erod, and Mike Matheson, and Evan Rodriguez would get the would get the second power play goal assisted by Mike Matheson and Louis Domingue. And then another goal by Erod. Erod shows up in the first period of Game Three, two goals and assists. The Penguins are all of a sudden up four to one, and it's looking great going into the second period, Frank. And then all of a sudden, the Penguins must have just forgot to leave the bench in the locker room to come out to play in the second period because it went from happy faces to depression in a hurry as the Rangers would own the second period, Frank. Goal scored by Frank Vetrano, Kreider and Zibanejad assisted on that. Or Temi Panarin assisted by Strom and Fox. And then uh, Kevin Rooney assisted the shorthanded goal by Andrew Kopp. And then all of a sudden you're going to that that you're going into that locker room in the second intermission. Now it's four four and it's like where where do we go with this? You know, just completely came out flat in the second period, Frank. And you started to wonder, maybe, maybe you know, the gas had run out of the Penguins here. Maybe you know the, the fairy dust had all been used up and. Maybe maybe this was just the Rangers' way to take this over. But the third period, Frank, the, the first period Penguins would show up in the third period, Frank. Uh, Danton Heinen, Jake Gensel, and Jeff Carter, all three goals in the third period. They would blow it by Shosturkin. Actually, after that first period, Frank, they did pull Shosturkin for uh, Georgiev. So anything that happened from the second period on was Georgiev and uh, in that, including those three goals in the third period, like Heinen, Gensel, and Carter. Um, the Penguins would win seven to four in Game Three, Frank. Oh no, Game Three was great, and you know what? Ups and downs. I mean, to get that early four-one lead um, was was awesome. Um, Erod showing up, you know, he's a guy that uh, you know the first half of the season, what like fifteen goals, shot out of a cannon, um, kind of went really quiet, and in the second half of the season, was criticized by a lot of people, but. You know, Erod's a guy that's not going to be a a guy that's like a 20, 30 goal scorer. I kind of knew he let he would level off. Um, I like that he's on a second power play contributing. He's a guy that can play in the top six if you need him. But um, no, he he was on fire, and I hope it continues. I think it has a chance to continue because I think he can get streaky in in a good way. Um, but no, um, back to the first goal. This you know Brock McGinn. Remember that was that weird one where the post kind of came off and. Yeah, they, they initially I think they rolled no goal, and then they had to look at it and say goal. I thought the I, I thought the Penguins got a, a, the benefit of another call, and that was two in a row. And you know Ranger fans were flipping out because um, in game one they had that late disallowed goal with the interference call. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned it in this. Yeah, re- Boomer Sison was on Greg and G, uh, Boomer and Geo. You know Boomer Sison is a big Ranger guy, so yeah, he was complaining about it. There was a lot of whining and complaining about the, the New York media about that. Yeah. But uh, and so many um, non, you know, 
objective people that weren't Penguin fans said it was the right call. His path took him to the goalie, and he could have avoided it. And he, made, he made no effort to avoid Obviously, the Smith was thrown way out, and it wasn't really any shove from Dumoulin at all. He was kind of just holding him. Um, but no, then they get the, the second kind of call not go their way with, with them, them overturning the no-goal call and saying McGinn's goal is a goal. Um, so, and that got the Penguins, you know, off and running rangers did tie it at one before the onslaught and then boy everybody that i was texting with during the game when the rangers scored three in a row to tie it and then that that crazy caught bunted in goal after letang really letang looked bad first he put it to the feet (laughs) yeah he put it to the feet of rooney and it bounced up in the air and letang doesn't go after the puck i mean he he, Rooney gets around him. He takes a penalty. And if you're going to take a penalty, just tackle him and take a penalty. Yeah. Um, allows the play to continue. And it then bounces to cop where the Rangers kind of get a, a, a good call because that net was off the moorings, but they determined that it would have went in and it was Latang that knocked it off. So they award that goal and it's all tied up. And I thought at that point, after you blew a four, one lead, uh, this is going to the Rangers. They're going to get this game and this is going to kind of be their revenge game. And they're going to take the lead in the series. But no, it was the big Heinen goal on a huge play by Malkin. And this is the plays in the playoffs. This is a, you don't see Malkin play like that in a regular season. He flew in on the forecheck, laid his body on, I think, I can't remember who, a Nemeth, um, stole the puck in the corner. It shot out to Heinen, quick snapshot. Georgiev deep in his crease, um, really deep playing along the goal line, out of position. Um, it sneaks by him, and the Penguins get the lead back, and then two empty netters. It looked more like a blowout, but it was two empty netters. It was, uh, I think, Gensel from deep, and then the in-between-the-legs Crosby to Carter, sick pass. Yeah. So re- really a one-goal game. I forget some of these scores are empty netters, but this one was 4-4 with eight minutes left in the third. <laughs> Could go either way, and the great four-check by Malkin creating the turn- turnover for Heinen, and um, great to see the Penguins win game three and take the uh, the lead in the series, keep the Rangers on their heels. Yeah. So the Penguins take the 2-1 lead going into game three, or game four, sorry. And after the game after game um, three, Frank, uh, Chris Kreider said uh, that uh, he called out the fans, that that's when the infamous Igor chant started when it was in game three. And he said that the fans had better watch, the, you know, pretty much watch themselves and then they, they might, you know, they don't want to get the last laugh because he, he vowed that Igor Shosturkin and the Rangers would come back strong in game four and they would make the Penguins fans regret chanting the Igor Shosturkin chant, the Igor chant. And it did not start well for Pittsburgh, Frank. Two minutes into the into the first period of game four, Alexis Lafreniere makes his presence felt in the playoffs, gets his goal scored by Schneider to go one nothing. But right instantly right after, Frank, well, actually about seven minutes later, on the power play, assisted by Gensel Latang, Sidney Crosby scores the goal. That was the one that was tucked under the pad of Igor Shosturkin, and we had to see about about seventy different views to make sure that puck crossed the line. And it was pretty pretty clear that it did, Frank. And Sidney would tie the game up, and it would go one one to the second period. And then all of a sudden, Frank, the beginning of the second period, all hell broke loose. Sidney Crosby wins the faceoff. The attacking zone throws it to Mike Matheson, who throws it on neck past Igor Shosturkin to go 2-1 Pittsburgh. Jay Gensel would score immediately 20 seconds after that on an assist by Rustin Crosby to make it a 3-1 game. And then another setup, Boyle, the Boyle-Bluger line, 
sets up Mark Freeman, who was in this game due to the injury to the Brian Dumoulin being out of the lineup, Frank. And all of a sudden, we're looking at four to one Pittsburgh. Uh, they they keep Shesterkin in the net uh, for this, and but Adam Fox would stop the bleeding on this assist by Zibanejad and Panarin to make it four to two, and then Denton Heinen a goal with, he sweeps in gets the goal assisted by Latang, and then Jason Zucker sets up Jeff Carter uh, to make it six to two Pittsburgh Frank after the second period. Gerard Gallant would pull Igor Shesterkin for Georgiev again. The chance of Igor was filling the arena even louder than in Game Three. So, and and, and uh, Chris Kreider also took a, a, a slap shot from his own teammate too. So, the infamous words of Chris Kreider after Game Three, uh, kind of the, the grenade kind of blew up on his face in this game. Frank Georgiev plays the third period. We would get the seventh and final goal by Evgeny Malkin on assist from Kasper Kapanen. And then when it was all said and done, Frank, 7-2, to Penguins beat the Rangers in Game 4. And would you have guessed it, Frank, when we started the series, the Pittsburgh Penguins have a 3-1 lead now heading back to Madison Square Garden. No, I would have never predicted it. Um, definitely, obviously, happy. Um, maybe it's a case of, you know, the Penguins are battle-tested, got to have the experience, the Rangers, or maybe those 08 Penguins that kind of got to learn how to lose first. Um you know, it's their first trip to the playoffs in five years. Kaprizov has his second. It's 2-1 wild oh, wow. on, on the power play. He's such a stud. He's like him and Crosby are right there with McKinnon for uh, points in the playoffs right now. But uh, Kaprizov, the lead for Minnesota here. Another team I'm rooting for with Flurry there. And, you know, yeah. obviously the state of hockey, the fans uh, know their hockey and are, are, are itching for a, a deep run there. But uh, no, this so game. This game, Bronson, the, the the Penguins finally got the got the big lead and held on. You know, everybody was holding their breath. Will the same thing happen again? Um, the the Penguins did let the Rangers make it four two late in the second, and I was like, here we go, because <laughs> I said the Rangers' formula down four one after that barrage was to get a late one, and then in the third get an early one, and you're right there. And they had all the makings, but boy, the Penguins getting that 5-2 goal was huge. That kind of just snuffed the momentum and made the Rangers kind of really doubt themselves. And, you know, they kind of got one behind Georgiev, which was like, okay, good. We're going to get one by this guy now. And um, the Penguins just rolling in this series. It's not over yet. We have it, the hardest one to get that last one. And we have to absolutely. We have to go back to New York tomorrow night. We're recording here uh, Tuesday the tenth. Game five is is Wednesday, May eleventh, and uh, by the time you got we post this and you guys listen, uh, it's going to be over. So we'll see. But we're excited to to, to watch Game five tomorrow night. Uh, you know this one, Bronson. The Penguins just looked like the better team, and the the Rangers. Everybody said that they're faster than the Penguins, um, but the Penguins are playing a playoff style game. They're they yeah. Are. I was just going to say that Mark Madden was saying, you know. Those regular season games look nothing like these games, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a different the animal. Have, they've significantly bridged that speed gap. I don't know if it's yeah. just because they're Ding everyone up or you know whatever, but it's it's clearly obvious that they have they've they've bridged that gap. I heard uh, Gerard Gallant went all Michael Terrian today on his team. He did, uh, pretty much saying they're soft and it's it, all it is, it's to fire them up. Um, yeah, and I expect you know we're gonna get the Rangers best best effort. Shesterkin's gonna be better. Um, it's gonna be really hard for the Penguins to take Game Five. Uh, I'm gonna start biting my nails, Bronson. If the Rangers do take Game Five and it comes back to Pittsburgh for a Game Six, it's kind of the pressure oh, on the Frank, it's pressure Frank, on the Penguins. Frank has that vision of 2015 in his head again. Yeah. 
yeah, it's uh, you don't want to blow a three one lead. It sucks, but you know, all of a sudden, if the Rangers win Game Five, the pressure kind of turns to the Penguins. Um, it, you don't want to have to go back to New York for a Game Seven, so it's really take care of business time. It, you'd love to just, yeah. like I said with Colorado, get an early. Um, if the Penguins can win this series in five, you get that 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 short series that you need. And what it would do, Bronson, would probably give us a week off to get Jari, Raquel, and Doolin back. Yeah. Um, and, and you go into a, a series with Carolina or Boston. Ooh! Fully loaded. I haven't seen what happened yet. Bronson's probably ahead of me. Are you watching Minnesota? Big hit. Yeah. yeah Marcus Foligno. Marcus oh Foligno wrecked him. That looked like R.J. Umberger on uh, – who was it? Uh, who hit Umberger about ten years ago? Oh, I'm trying to remember. From, from Buffalo, um, he just lambasted. Campbell to say. Brian Campbell killed Umberger. It's the if you have a chance to YouTube a hit. Felino just just tattooed Jordan. Brian Kyrie. Campbell on R.J. Umberger, circa 2006-7, on versus uh, Joe Beninati uh, on the call on versus. Took a stick with him too. Bronson, but, just a, a, a quick nugget before I forget. Um, Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork must have COVID because yeah, they're COVID protocol. Yeah, tomorrow night Staggy is back. They the they team. actually called this previous game too. Okay, okay. I, game. I, I didn't I didn't know. I it's just Staggy saw and Colby Armstrong. Yeah, Staggy is back in the booth. See if he can dust it off. Yeah, but that's that's gonna be you know get well soon to those guys. It'll be cool. I might have to turn on the radio to hear Staggy this again. This is the second time that that well. Two Niners' wife uh, had had it the first time. That's why he couldn't do it. But this time he does in their protocol. But yeah, but no, Frank just kind of put the things up, tighten up the gap. Yeah, like you said, everything you said. You know, they got they got, they have to come out. And they have to. They can't. You can't let the Rangers creep back in it because Shosturkin is you know he's he's probably the favorite to win the Vezina. So mm-hmm. you can't. What now that you have him, you've shattered his confidence. Kind of with these last two games, you got to keep the pressure on for sure. And he like said he'll be in net there. That's tomorrow. Um, whenever this drops, hopefully by the time this, this drops, we will, the Penguins will have moved on. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, um, w- what a surprising turn of events for this Penguin series. Uh, oh wow, Shen just decked what's his name. It's it's getting it's getting feisty in this Minnesota St. Louis series. But no, Frank, that's a playoff matchup. But we went, we went a little long. That's kind of more my fault, but that's fine. Um, I'll turn it to you and give my my pipes a little bit of a break uh, to the the final thoughts before we close up shop. Sure, Bronson. Obviously, a huge, uh, a fun Stanley Cup playoff segment there. Um, really great to get all of our listeners caught up on, you know, where all the series series stands. And you know, we did, like I said, we didn't get to to do our predictions, but we'll, we'll hopefully before round two we can get on. Um, and even if we don't, I'll text Bronson so we get him on paper and we can talk about our predictions. No, no cheating. I remember last year, I think we were like one game in and we were making predictions. So, um, oh, yeah. So oh, no, yeah. no cheating or anything. But when the second round gets underway, we'll make some predictions. We'll be down to the final eight. It'll start to get really good. But it's already been great with the these eight series minus the, the, the Nashville series uh, with Colorado. But uh, I think the Penguins are the only other team up 3-1. The rest are 2-2. Um, so pretty crazy, but, um, but, uh, my final thoughts, Bronson, just a catch up. I don't have a rant or anything this week. It's just a, uh, because this was all, uh, draft and hockey, um, just a few other sports to catch everybody up on the Kentucky Derby took place. Um, you know, the, uh, 146th running of the rose run for the roses. Um, and the the major storyline here was, uh, an 80 to one long shot, rich strike. 
winning the Kentucky Derby. And the, the funny thing was, was he was a last minute ad for, because of a scratch. He was an alternate. Um, he was one of two or three alternate horses on standby in case there was a, stra- a scratch. And a lot of the times, if there's a scratch, they'll just won't run with 20 horses. Um, 20 horses run the Derby, but um, they would, they're, it's, they're allowed to run it with 19 or 18 if there's late scratches. Um, and, and for those of you who don't follow horse racing, I don't particularly, but a scratch is when a horse, you know, is, is pulled from the race, usually because they're, um, Something's funny that the horse is acting up. He's bucking. He's he's trying to get into the gates and he won't. He you know he's he misbehaving um, for whatever reason and they have to pull him and scratch him. So um, they had a scratch and Rich Strike gets entered at an eighty to one odds. Um, not a famous trainer, not a famous owner. You know nobody nobody was picking him. Was was behind the whole race and at the final stretch he came blazing down the rails and and took home the 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 title uh, the Kentucky Derby one of the biggest upsets in 150 years there they said so that was a crazy storyline there um, to to hear that take place just a that you know a lot of the, I don't know how many people bet money on him I saw a 50 cent bet. Um, if you bet the trifecta and got that uh, the one, two, and three right, won you seven, seven grand. Um, if on a fifty set bet, just just crazy underdog. So that was pretty cool to see that take place. And it's the springtime gets me excited, Bronson. There's a lot of fun things. There's the Kentucky Derby. There's obviously the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs. You're going to have the um, the French Open coming up in tennis, which I like. Um, the, the PGA championship coming up soon in, in golf. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of big tournaments and things going on this time of year. So, so that took place. Um, the NBA playoffs, I just mentioned it, they're going on. They're actually ahead of hockey. Um, and typically hockey's a little bit ahead, but this year <coughs> hockey started a little bit after basketball and they're in the second round Bronson. They they are in their elite eight final eight. Um, and it's uh, out west. It's Dallas and Phoenix. Um, Phoenix, the best team in the league all year. Um, and then the other side, it's Golden State and Memphis. And everybody loves Ja Morant. He's so exciting, dynamic player for Memphis. You know, a small market team. Are the Grizzlies ever going to get good? That fan base, you know, hungry. Um, well, they finally get a superstar, second overall picture, John Morant from Murray State a couple years ago, and he's just a instant superstar in this league. And they get by the first round series, um, and, and then they take on the big bad Golden State Warriors. You know, the three time champs. They still have the the big three of Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Um, well, in Game Four, John Morant unfortunately had to leave with a with a, a deep bone bruise in his knee. And we learned tonight that he's going to miss the remainder of the season. So, you know, they ended up losing game four, trail the series three, one to golden state. So it's looking pretty gl- grim for the, for the Grizzlies, but um, keep your heads up Grizzlies fans. Cause it's the future is bright with John Morant there. They're going to go deep in the playoffs uh, many times, maybe bring a championship to Memphis, a, a great sports town, not a pro sports town. Just, they only have the Grizzlies there, but um Looks like the Warriors, Bronson. They're going to move on to the uh, Western Conference Finals. Await the yeah. Suns. Await the Suns or the Mavericks. The Mavericks upset the Jazz in the first round. Um, that was kind of a shocker. The Jazz were a lot of people's pick, um, but I think the Suns will take care of the Mavericks. Um, right now, it's t- series is tied at two in Game Five in Phoenix, um, and the Mavericks lead that after one. So, 
That's taking place right now as we speak. Um, so Dallas looking to Mark Cuban's Mavericks looking to upset another opponent and make it to those Western Conference Finals. They might be a game away after tonight. Need a big road win tonight over Phoenix. Uh, but uh, out east, it's uh, it's kind of chalk. It's uh, Miami and Philly are going at it. That that series is is uh, heading back to Miami um, or heading back to Philly for Game Six. Miami has a three-two lead. The home team has has taken every game in that series. Um, And then the other side, it's Milwaukee and Boston, two um, two more heavyweights. Boston kind of shockingly swept the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving um, swept out of the first round by Boston. Um, And that series is 2-2 as well. So just like hockey, a lot of these series are just so tight. Um, I'm kind of, you know, the Bucs are the defending champs. I think the dream matchup would be Milwaukee and Golden State um, in the finals. Or, I mean, even a Milwaukee-Phoenix rematch of last year would kind of be interesting to see. Phoenix had them up two games to none. They were really looking like they were going to win it all, but the Bucks stormed back to win that series in six. So, yeah, a lot, a lot, lot of drama in the NBA. It's going to be a fascinating uh, conference finals uh, by the next time we get uh, together. I'll probably uh, uh, take you through the, it'll be down to the final four conference finals. So really getting down to the nitty gritty um, and just a quick trip through baseball, Bronson, um, your Buccos uh, not doing terribly uh, this year so far. I think uh, five or six games under 500, they had a rough series against the Reds. The Reds have been historically bad. Um, you know, they, they at one point had lost 19 of 20 um, and the Pirates dropped two or three there. Um, they needed to sweep that series or take two out of three. Uh, they they beat the Dodgers last night, but lost tonight 11 to one. Uh, so it kind of got ugly. But the Pirates have been up and down. They haven't been as terrible as many people thought. Um, a lot of good stories. Ben Gamble, um, Jake Marisnik, great defense, um, diving catches every night. The bullpen, Dylan Peters, Chris Stratton, David Bednar, um, lights out. Peters hasn't allowed an earned run yet. Will Crow has been amazing, came over in the Josh Bell trade. Um, the funny kind of stat nugget was no, they didn't have a win from a starting pitcher in their first 28 games. But that's kind of because starting pitchers don't go deep anymore. It's kind of the way of the, the land. But uh, Jose Quintana finally beat the Dodgers yesterday. The Pirates tied a major league record 28 games to start a season without a win from a starter. Um but a stat like that would make you think that they're kind of in last place and terrible, but the Pirates are actually in third. They're ahead of the Cubs. They're ahead of the Reds. That's all we can hope for as fans. I don't want them to tank. You know, I, I know that I want them to draft high, but I, I want to be entertained all summer. So I'd like to see them ho- hover around 500. Um, I like Hayes. I like Reynolds. Um, they got to get the starting pitching to come around like the Mitch Kellers and the Zach Thompsons and the Bryce Wilsons and, they're they're all just eh, really struggling out there, but um, but no. Uh, other than that, Otani's still doing his thing. Bronson, twelve strikeouts last week in Houston, eleven strikeouts in Boston the other day. Um, he's doing it on the mound. He's doing it batting. Um, a grand slam last night. So he's he, so far so good. If he stays healthy, another great year for him. Um, Yankees are hot. It's the big market teams. Bronson, say what you want, but. Uh, New York, Yankees, Mets, L.A., Dodgers, Angels, the class of the league right now. It's the high payrolls, the evil empires. Um, <laughs> as a Pirate fan, it makes you kind of your stomach, your stomach turn. But it, the baseball world, it's, you know, Rob Manfred's loving it. It's great for ratings um, when those teams are good. Um, 
but no, I'm, I'm my fantasy team is doing good too. I have a, a some friends I used to work with. I'm leading. I'm in first in that. Um, so that's that's been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't spend a lot of time on baseball tonight because it wasn't kind of a main topic. But uh, so, you know, in, in upcoming episodes, we'll be talk. We'll be diving into to some stats and some of the more more of the standings there. But that's all I wanted to touch on, Bross, and a few other sports. Um, Kentucky Derby, NBA, and baseball. It's uh, just the three things I've been interested in lately. So, yeah, thank you, Frank. And like I said, uh, yeah, I've been I've been kind of keeping up a little bit, uh, um, a little bit with the the MLB and, and NBA, just kind of watching highlights and whatnot. So, um, been paying a little more attention to the Buckos. Obviously, uh, you know, Vogelbach has been my guy. He's he's I've been following him, and obviously. Um, but um, uh, Bednar has been awesome. I know they've been talking to him, but I watched the game where he got he got the one saver was, but or he got a chance there. But um, the Mars area kid, I'll do it well. I'm excited to hear about you know see where he goes from here. Um, mine might not gonna be too long. Just gonna cover racing. Um, like I said, the WeatherTech the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Series gives them in Ohio this weekend. Um, I will, I don't have a ticket today, but usually I get a ticket like two days before the event and I will be at mid Ohio on Sunday. So hopefully the weather is good. They race either rain or shine. So I'd rather be a nice day out. Hopefully not too hot. Bring my uh, lawn chair out there and go to the track and, uh, watch the sports car racing. But that's, that's that <clears throat> NASCAR. I mean, we were a NASCAR highlight, you know, we, we, we broke in about Kyle Busch, you know, being a father for a second time. So congrats to him and Samantha again, but, um, Darlington Frank was uh, Sunday afternoon. It's the uh, the the throwback race they always do. I don't know if they're going to do another one, but I know that they did this one. A lot of throwback schemes and whatnot. Um, kind of back and forth. Martin Truex is up there around. Joey Logano, um, uh, you know Larson a little bit. Of a, he was out in the race early, um, but uh, l- uh, last lap uh, under controversy. William Byron, Frank, he's one too. Your guy, he's the uh, the number twenty four, uh, Exalta Liberty University Chevrolet for Rick Hendrick Racing, Rick Hendrick Motorsports. Jeff Gordon's on there now as a as an executive of the of the team. Uh, Willie B, two race wins this year and was probably on a way to get a third. But Joey Logano, who was was coming up strong towards the end of the race, he puts the bumper to the back of William Byron, sends him up into the wall, and. Uh, Takes the win, albeit a controversy win. He was interviewed, I want to say, by Regan Smith or Jamie Little here. Here's his response to the altercation, the bumping of the bump and run win on William Byron at Darlington. Joey Logano wins. It's his first win of the season. Uh, Hasn't won anything since that uh, exhibition race in L.A. Helmet off. Yeah, Regan Smith. So the con- so the comments there, uh, he was alluding to I guess something that happened earlier with William Byron, where I guess Byron didn't give him quite the room he wanted and pushed him off into the wall. Um, but uh, William Byron had his own answer to this and uh, tried to find the 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 Fox version of this. Uh, where is it? That I know it's here because I saw it. But uh, here we go. And William Byron. Has his response to what happened 
to the incident. He obviously was on a chance to get the third win of the year. And here's his response. And William Byron leading right there at the end. And when we just heard from Joey, and it sounded almost like it was a retaliation thing. Did you guys have something happen before that? No, I mean, we were really close off it too. And I think it spooked him and got him tight. And he was right against the wall and I got the lead. And he's just an idiot. I mean, he, he does this stuff all the time. I've, I've seen it um, with other guys. And I mean, he drove in there 10 mile an hour too fast. And with these next-gen cars, you know, he slammed me so hard it knocked the whole right side off the car and no way to make the corner. So, um, yeah, he's just a moron. He can't win a race. Um, so he does it that way. So, I don't know. We'll, uh, yeah. It was close racing on the restart. We were faster than him, obviously, at the end. Right rear started to go away, and um, yeah, he didn't even make it a contest. Thank you. <laughs> so William Byron not happy, and uh, yeah, he and I'm not going to play the other clip, but there was a clip that leaked later. He was talking to his boss Jeff Gordon. He called Joey Logano a piece of you know what, and and he, he you know a lot of other expletives. And I was making a joke that since he's sponsored by Liberty University, which is a Christian school, they may not take highly to his potty mouth, but. Uh, Frustrated, kids frustrated, and he had a chance to win another race. And Legata, you know, dumps him and wins the race. So William Byron's a good kid. He usually kind of stays out of trouble. So for him to kind of have, he's just frustrated. Especially Frank, when you stick it on microphone in your face right after that, you know, you're gonna get the raw reaction. If you want a raw reaction, you can't get mad about what you get in response. Um, but even though that event happened, Frank, uh, the eyes and the ears of the racing world was not even on NASCAR. It was on. It was down in Miami, Florida. The uh, the U.S. Grand Prix of, of, of the streets of Miami, their Formula One. This is their first race. Um, they usually run. They are going to run the, the race at Coda in Austin, Texas. They run that every year. But this is the first street event in the United States. Um, Formula One is owned by Liberty Media, and they're but you know it's a it's a U.S. based group, so they want to popularize Formula One here in the United States. They've done a great job starting that by the uh, the Netflix series Formula One Drive to Survive. That has really boosted the popularity of F1 in, in the United States, Frank. And this race in Miami was it was a street course. You know, it was streets of Miami. They put a course around it. It was around um, Hard Rock Stadium in my and uh, where the Dolphins play. So the track actually went around the stadium. And um, it was a good event. Lewis Hamilton, who people who oh, are you there? Oh, you disappeared. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Lewis uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, in years past, has always kind of been the favorite to win these races, but Mercedes has not had the power um, that they've had in the past with these new cars. Um, Charles Leclerc um, for Ferrari had the pole, and obviously that was a big deal for them to get the pole at the Miami Grand Prix. He led the first few couple laps, except the defending world champion Max Verstappen took the lead, and he would not hold back. Max Verstappen would win the race. Um, a huge event, Frank. It probably pulled better ratings than NASCAR because NASCAR was kind of relegated to FS1. F1 was on ABC, so free network TV. More people got a chance to watch it. It was a huge event. The glitz, the glamour, kind of like that you were mentioning earlier, the Kentucky Derby kind of had that, you know, the dresses, the gowns, the yachts, the glitz and the glamour of Formula One in Miami. It was a huge, successful event. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to doing it. There's rumors they want to do it in Vegas. Um, they want to kind of rotate it around. Uh, but the the drive to make Formula One a popular in the United States, this is this is it. With this and drive to survive, um, there was a cool picture of Tom Brady with uh, Lewis Hamilton and Michael Jordan, and so uh, the, the goats, you know, the goats, if you will. So huge event in Formula One. So Formula One over overshadows NASCAR on Sunday, um, and I'm sure they wouldn't have it any other way. So 
I would love to see Formula One really give NASCAR a push for its money. And uh, those cars are just fantastic. So big event, big win for motorsports all around. And uh, that's all I have for each other. I think anything else I have yet to cover. Not much going on in wrestling, but, you know, um, really so far yet. So there you go, Frank. That, that, I did that's see it. that uh, Lashley and Omos steel cage next week. I'm, you have to remind <laughs> you have Yeah, to they had the rematch at WrestleMania night. Backlash. And uh, Omos actually won the match. So mm-hmm. MVP hit Bobby Lashley in the throat with his cane, and and Omos <laughs> got Omos got the revenge at uh, at a uh, backlash and beat the the almighty Bobby Lashley. So the rubber match, yes, is going to be in a cage match. So I assume Omos is going to win. They're gonna, they're going to push Omos really hard. A guy um, that you said before the year is out will will have a title match. I'm kind of walking that back because I feel like it probably won't happen until beginning of next year. Yeah. But I've seen crazier things happen, but I know Vince loves Omos. Is Roman Reigns back yet or still injured? No, no. He's He's been on TV. He's kind of not wrestled. He actually wrestled yeah. on Sunday, but it's the first match he's had in over a month. Um, and it must have been that bad, but it was enough that he didn't wrestle for at least a month. They had, they had yeah. a, He finally did the match on Sunday. Um, he just re-signed a new deal with WWE. Frank did well. I've been a Rumors of whether what Roman Reigns will do. Now it's rumored that this new contract gives him less obligated dates to appear, which is now making people speculate to believe that Roman Reigns may go the John Cena Rock thing and start doing Become more a movie, movies. Movies, yeah. yeah. yeah this, this next contract, he's not obligated to work as many dates. Mm. And a lot of people feel that he specifically asked for that. So yeah, that definitely take... that Jason Momoa vibe. You know, he could definitely yeah. be an action star and a lot of things for sure. Yeah, the big rumor is he's going to take his cousin The Rock's path and start doing more movies yeah. and things like that. So I think Roman Reigns is on his way to being the next uh, crossover superstar in wrestling. Well, cool, Bronson. I mean, that was fun. Uh, you know, a nice little tidied up final thoughts just to let us get our little passion projects out there and uh, talk about the uh, whatever else is going on in the sports world. But fun, fun, full episode tonight. Good to get back to the normal podcast. Alive was fun, but so much to talk about. I wanted to get everybody up to speed. Yeah, and... we, we got two hours and a little over two hours tonight. I figure if we come back yeah. next week, do, just do a playoff recap. It won't be very long. Yeah, we're, we Not are trying to. We're trying to get these podcasts to be around an hour, 90 minutes, because we know that it's a, a fast-paced world, and it's hard to keep, uh, you know, everybody wants stuff to be short and sweet and normal podcasts are around that time frame. But when, we're, when we do take a long two-to-three-week two hiatus, um, a lot of times we have to, just to catch everybody up, have to go pretty long. But don't worry, fast forward, we put the timestamps in there, so check out the segment you want to hear by jumping through the timestamp. Uh, check us out, uh, like Bronson said, the YouTube channel's rolling now. I don't know how you search for that, Bronson. Do you just type in NLN Sportscast? You should pop up. I I, I, I tried the test search a couple of days ago, and it popped mm-hmm. up. It might be a little deep because it has to build the views up. Yeah. But if you type in NLN Sports, uh, Sportscast, NFL draft that you'll I see found us. I, I found us right away. Cool. Okay. So there you go. Perfect. But no, and, and what we're going to, what we want to do too is um, take every episode from our five seasons. It's over a hundred now, I believe. Um, I hope to upload those to the YouTube channel so everybody can easily go back and pull any archived episode. So that would be really cool. That's something we're planning as well too. Yeah. So um, no, but yeah, fun episode. Thanks for everybody that listens. Uh, thanks for everybody that joined us in the Facebook Live. That was a lot of fun. Um, we'll be doing that again soon. I think they're so popular. We might have to pick a Pens game in this uh, hopefully long playoff run to live cast a Pens game. 
that would be really fun. So um, maybe yeah, people already asking when we're going to do it again. So <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that'll be the next thing on the docket. Maybe we'll do like the um, and this might be right out of the time that uh, Katie, our our fine producer, and 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 my wife goes uh, into labor. But uh, as 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 you don't know, I'm expecting my first child. But uh, the home run derby all star game. Those would be, be a huge ones you know otani and company to do a facebook live during the home run derby maybe but i may be preoccupied around that time of year but uh no those are always a lot of fun we'll we'll plan a couple more of those we might be you know hopefully we might be able to get back next week to to wrap up the first round of this series with a shorter episode we'll just do hockey talk and uh yeah and update you on who's who's entering the second round make our predictions recap the games five six and seven as bronson did it his, his ever so eloquent job of catching everybody up on games one through four scoring wise um and just how those series are going so everybody's you know we're all caught up now and we'll we'll be recapping games five six and seven of of all these tight first round series and who moves on so yeah yeah had a lot of fun with you bronson i'll let you have the last word yeah no, no problem. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, thank you again for a great Facebook Live. Uh, I'm still hearing about it. Uh, my brother actually just called me today and said, he said, hey, I'm so mad I missed that Facebook thing. I'm too bad I can't watch it again. I said, well, I actually can watch it again. And he told me to send him the link and I did. So, um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's cool, you know, and it's really cool that you guys are invested. And uh, it, it, it honestly continues to shock me to see the people who are listening or watching and and uh, just supporting us, and we we can't thank you enough for it. I'm sure Frank and I, you know, I speak for Frank when I say I can't thank you enough for it, and happy that you want to uh, jump on, on the, you know, jump into this with us. So um, thanks again to Justin and Nico, Next Level Nerd, for allowing us this platform. And uh, those guys have been nothing but supportive. Actually, Nico was in the the Facebook Live group with us last week. So um, obviously they're they're just as invested in this as, as we are, and and uh, we we appreciate their support. And because without it, you know, this was impossible. Um, thanks to Frank's wife, Katie, for putting this thing together, editing this up, um, you know, her work, you know, you know, she, she, uh, she does a great job of, 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 of promoting us and, and my thanks to her cannot be extended well enough. And thank you guys for listening, you know, and, uh, we're going to have some more stuff coming. Obviously Frank's going to do the, the hiatus every other week thing, which is cool because, I'm already Frank. I'm already getting the blowups from people who want to come on and, and and host the show with me. So we're not gonna we're not gonna be short of that. People want to come on, and uh, I already told Mike I promised he could come on and talk hockey because I think we can make a great show of it. But uh, no, fun things coming this summer. I know we're, we're Frank and I are gonna be pretty busy with the summer things to do, but um, we're, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a, a good summer of of, of content, and uh, we're already starting in that direction. So. Stay with us, and uh, we'll, we'll give you some good stuff. Uh, so until next time, for Frank Conta, I am Bronson Allman. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we should be back next week to recap the first round and uh, give our previews for the second round. Um, until then, the top podcast guys. Out. Out. Hockey. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock.